This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves giving it the big un. We do indeed. Now, a nervous Sunday afternoon endured by all. No doubt most of us thinking wistfully that we should have been there and somewhat mournful that we weren't. But all's well that ends well, uh, as Chelsea got the job done against Wolves with a thoroughly professional job with very few, if any, nervous moments. Champions League football and quite possibly a few interesting transfers can now be contemplated for next season as a result. All eyes are now on the FA Cup final next Saturday where Frank Lampard and his young team have a chance to complete a quite remarkable season by adding a trophy in a season where very few of us expected a mid-table uh, well, actually, no, I think a lot of us expect. I don't know what I'm writing here. I should sort that out, shouldn't I? Anyway, I think a lot of us expected a mid-table finish and a moderate cup run. So to be where we are is wonderful. Anyway, whatever happens next Saturday, Frank and the team can feel justifiably proud of their achievements this season while pondering that expectations will now be even higher next season. Giving it the big un, the Chelsea fancast 515. So there we go. Um, we were talking before we uh, we hit the go button. What a lovely evening to do a show when it could have all been so very different. But there you go. First and foremost, uh, a good evening. Buena sera to Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, lovely to be on the show with such um, uh, a distinguished company, as always. Indeed. We're not revealing who they are yet, because that's your job. But um, can I just say how I'm I'm a relieved person i'm a relieved bunny i am oh thank goodness for that yeah i think there was a, a huge relief i mean you and i are the same i was watching you on twitter and at two nil i just i, mean, I was hoping well, i was thinking four nil i would feel a little bit better 
you know, but they got the job done, and that's actually at the end of the day, mate, that's all that matters. Now, we've got a real cracking lineup tonight for the last Premier League show of the season. In fact, at this juncture, I should tell you that we've got obviously an FA Cup special next Monday, we'll have a Champions League special the week after that. Uh, and then we'll have a season review the week after that. And then I'll have a couple of weeks off. And September the 7th, we all get going again with a season preview. But uh, before we do all of that, of course, I have on the show tonight the wonderful Clayton Beerman. Good evening. How are you, sir? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm really looking forward to tonight. Lots to talk about. Uh, all good stuff to talk about as well. Yeah, makes a nice change, doesn't it? Although, you know, as I said earlier on, this season's not exactly been been awful by any means. It's been fantastic, yeah. in fact. Yeah. Anyway, uh, last, but by no means least, the, uh, the what did I call him earlier on? The Lord Chief Provost of the fan cast, Mr. Tony Glover. Good evening. Bonsoir. Yeah, Bonsoir. I wish I was where JK is. If you could be obviously our, our, our clientele, our listening base can't see that JK is currently sat on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean, I'm guessing. I well, felt it could be uh, the Maldives, actually. It could be the Maldives. It looks very, very good. We're all on Zoom video, and he's chosen a, a particularly sunny background, I think it's fair to say. It looks a bit shepherd's bush to me, actually. Yeah, there's a touch of that. There's the palm tree. I think it's the same one as in the bush. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Jonathan, yeah. kid in the bush is worth two in the hand, so they oh, say. Oh, yes. Uh, anyway, welcome, welcome all. As always, lovely to see you in here and share a Monday night with you. Now, on the show tonight... We ask, was Frank vindicated by dropping Kepper? And what future for our hapless goalkeeper? Good job we've got goalie 59 on the show then. Uh, now, in part two, maybe maybe goalie 59 should don his gloves and get in there, mate. Anyway, in part two, uh, we discuss just how important Mason Mount has been this season and how important he will be going forward. And we ask, what role Olivier Giroud can play next season having been in such good form since the restart and we ask just how big an achievement finishing in the top four has been for Sir Frank of Lampard and the team and in part three although it pains me to say it we will look back at the uh, the, the kamikaze loss to Liverpool and we look forward to next weekend's FA Cup final against Arsenal another FA Cup final for Chelsea absolutely brilliant and in part four as we always do we wrap up with your emails uh, and of course as ever don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler which is M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page and of course you can also tweet at Chelsea fancast anytime you like and sometimes you might even get a response it has been known now talking of mixler loads of people in there lovely to see you all in there all the regulars of course the lovely andy silverman sussex blue nick lennartson disco donny aussie broke uh, aussie broke my signed leg or aussie signed my broken leg if you prefer the right way around uh steve moa uh moniaki keep the blue flying in north if she don't come uh some bloke called tony glover burt stoltz kepler eddie mack uh, as in uh, Mark Meehan, Claire McConnell, the uh, Pedro's number one fan, they're all in there. Uh, if if you you know if you want to know what the fuss is about, get your, get yourselves over to Mixler on a Monday night, 
and join in the fun with all of this lot. Now, if he's in there, and I don't know if he is because I haven't seen his name, but if Robert Delcini, also known as Bobby D, is in there, massive happy birthday to you, mate. Hope you've had a top day or are having a top day. Right, after this very short break, we will be back to talk about the football. Okay, so uh, you know, as as we were all we were all you know rabbiting on uh, on Twitter as we do after the Liverpool game, which was a bit of a horror show, which we'll talk about later on the show. Although there were moments when it wasn't a horror show, it has to be said. But I think for some one certain young man, it was definitely a horror show. And uh, I think Clayton and I actually had a bit of discourse on Twitter, didn't we, Clayton? And I said that you know Frank has probably got the biggest decision to make of his rather young. Uh, manage, uh, managerial career, which is, you know, whether to pick Kepa or pick Caballero. And I was very firmly on the camp that he had to pick Caballero uh, for Sunday's game. It's a massive, massive game, clearly one that we had to get a result from. But I thought that wasn't just the point for me, Clayton. For me, it was the fact that Kepa just looked shot after that Liverpool game. I mean, his, I mean, we'll talk about this later on the show, I know. But... During, surely, Chidge, during. Well, yeah, indeed. Anyway, Clayton, um, did Frank make the right decision to drop Kepa? Because I know you have a, a particularly interesting angle on this, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, look, the result proved that he made the right decision. Ironically, as the game actually panned out, um, there was only one direct shot on goal, Um from Wolves during the game yesterday. And so that means we cross? would have won two. Well, I'll come on to that. We we would have won 2-1 instead of 2-0. Um, I, I tweeted after the Liverpool game that, that there was no way back for Kepa. Um, the guy shot. I, I, the first thing I want to say is, is he is he's not a terrible goalkeeper. I know that all the evidence <laughs> points to <laughs> the opposite. But apart from that, apart from yeah, that. Yeah, apart from that. Apart from all of the evidence. Can I just ask you, just to interrupt a sec, you know that thing that he does before he puts his hands behind his back yeah. before he goes for yeah. shots? Is yeah. that, that's not, surely that's not normal. Surely taking a an eighth of a second off your save by doing that is just ridiculous. I don't understand it's, how he's managed it's obviously, it's obviously the coaching, and, and interestingly, that's what David De Gea does as well. Is it? Um, wow. Yeah. He's not so, doing very well either. No. I think that the thing is that it doesn't matter whether he's a good goalkeeper or not anymore because basically his confidence has just gone and it, it, it doesn't matter what happens from now on in. I think that his time at Chelsea has come to an end. Now, whether because he's on a seven-year contract, which means he's still got five years left, whether we send him out on loan, which is what I think we'll do, because I can't actually see that anybody's going to buy him on the current form. Um, the, the, when you're playing goal, the worst thing that can basically happen is a ball goes in the net the first time 
the Utouchables picking it out of the back of the net. And the strange thing is that we've let in a lot of goals this season, but we haven't conceded that many shots. The problem is that everything that goes anywhere near him basically goes in. So I know that we're going to talk about the Liverpool game, but do, do you want me to just go through the goals that he conceded or just talk Let, generally? Let's do the Liverpool thing later, shall we? Okay. Unless, All right. I mean, well, actually, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, fuck it. We no, can do because we like. I just wanted to make a point, okay? Yeah, go for so it. Go for it. The first, the first goal that he lets in is William's fault. William lost the ball and it went to, um, oh, God, what's the name of that guy? Anyway, Kater. He, he belts, Kater, he belts it in. And you'd have to say, if that was any other goalkeeper and it went in, you just basically go, great goal. But because it's him and because he's beaten and there's general thoughts about his lack of height, so immediately it's down to Kepa. Well, that wasn't down to Kepa, 100%. That was basically down to winning losing the ball. Second goal we know wasn't a uh, wasn't a foul. It's a brilliant free kick. Now, everybody says he's rooted to the spot. He doesn't move. Well, if he would have moved and didn't get anywhere near it, like Rue Patricia yesterday, for Mason Mount's goal. He could have been rooted to the spot, but no, he tried to get it, and but he, it still went in. So the first two goals, question mark, not really his fault. Third goal, it's a muddle in the defence from a corner. It's been happening all season. Now, part of the problem is the fact that he doesn't command his area. He doesn't command his box, never mind his area, and he does nothing. But that was unfortunate. That was a mistake. Third goal, He's not going to save that from there. Fourth goal was a good goal. Bad defending. Not down to him. Fifth goal, yes, that was down to him. He got there and he couldn't keep the ball out. He, he The number of times he gets the ball and doesn't keep it out. But the point is that the defence have given up on him. You can tell the defence have given up on him. And I've always said you need a strong keeper... And it makes the defence stronger. And a strong defence makes the keeper stronger. It's a cycle. But unfortunately, this is this is a cycle that most of the spokes are broken. Because basically, they've got no confidence in him. He's got no confidence in himself. And it was a very brave decision by Frank. Because Frank was basically saying to him and to the club, we've spent £71 million on a dud. And I prefer a 39-year-old keeper yeah. who, it's arguable, wouldn't get a starting game in any other Premier League team. Now, in saying that, and I, I'm a harsh cricket of, a critic of Willie, he hasn't let us down this season at all. He really hasn't. He's had his moments, but he hasn't let us down. That cross that you alluded to, there was a cross that turned into a shot. Kepa's in goal. That's one nil. Yeah, yeah. Willie did brilliantly there. Absolutely brilliant. It wasn't a spectacular save, but it was. He was alert to it, and he kept it out. Yeah. Kepa, to me, has not been alert to anything. You look at those goals he let in against Ajax. You know the the, the free kick from Ziyech that went over his head. The game against Valencia in Valencia, where that cross just sailed over his head. Now, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to be attuned to what's going on around him. 
Anyway, I've rambled on enough. Um, but yeah, Mate, I Frank... could listen. I could listen to you for hours on that, uh, Clayton. You were brilliant, Jonathan. I'll just add an addendum to the the moment in the Liverpool game to me that made me realise that I thought that he he was he'd absolutely had it was when he was rooted to the spot when the ball went over the goal. You remember, and somebody, whether it was Abraham or um, uh, Rudiger, shouted out, "Kepa!" Like that. Well, they all did, I think. Well, they they all did. They all did. I mean that. I mean that was. Yes, you could. I mean, to me, uh, I'm old school. To me, anything in the six yard box has got to be the goalkeepers. But it's obviously not what is basically um, goalkeeping is about these days. But if you look at that, that was the Van Dyke thing, which would have been Liverpool's sixth goal. That was the who was marking him. Yeah. You know, he was there on his own. You can't blame Kepper entirely for that because who was marking him? The, the defence is a shambles. It I, needs I, an organiser in there. Yeah, it does. And the trouble is, Clayton, I think, you know, I think historically at Chelsea, obviously, we've had two very good organisers in Czech and Terry. But, you know, I think a lot of it is down to the keeper and Kepper ain't the man. Mm. Tony, I just want to bring bring something else in here, which... I mean, you know, Clayton makes some excellent points there. Um, I mean, how how ballsy of Frank was it to make that decision? I mean, I, I think what I'm alluding to here is, I mean, Clay, I think the the point I'm picking up on from what Clayton said was that, you know, in a way, Frank doing that was saying to the club, look, mate, this guy ain't it and he's got to go and somebody's made an absolute rick here. Yeah. Which is quite a brave thing to do, even if you are Frank Lampard and your good mates of better check. But one also has to question, I mean, because to be frank, Kepper's record wasn't that impressive when he was at Bilbao. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they spent £72 million on a keeper here mm. who's never really... I mean, Clayton may, may argue the toss on this, but I don't think he's really looked the real deal to me, to be I honest. Think he's, I think he's... First choice for Spain, isn't it? Ahead of De Gea at the moment. Um, yeah. Which, but that's probably more of a reflection on Spain's goalkeeping ability. Which is a bit like us having Pickford in goal, isn't it? I think when when most of us on here would probably say Pickford is not the best English goalkeeper, not this season. Um, you know, and uh, for me, I mean, I agree with everything that, that Clayton's just said. I, I, I do think, um, shot of confidence or not, you, that's a luxury you can't afford. You cannot afford it in that position. Um, I, I've gone very much towards the older keepers are better than the younger keepers because I've, I've, I've been deeply impressed with Ben Foster. I've been deeply impressed, just in attitude. I mean, you know, he can't help what's happening with the team around him. But him, Pepe Reina and all of those sort of players. I think Frank, for him, I think it's the, the mark of an intelligent and well-respected manager. I think the club have got his back. And and it shows by him saying, "I'm sorry, I'm not having somebody upstairs saying we paid seventy million for him. He's got to play." Um, when it's fairly obvious that I, I think he's I, I think he's done with us. I, I genuinely do. Um, I I I genuinely think our defence is not as shambolic as people want to make out because every time that defence have played with Caballero in goal this season, they've been all right. Actually, you know, they have been all right. It's no good saying, well, they've conceded the odd goal here and then there's been the odd ricket. Show me a defender that hasn't made a ricket. Mm. Van Dyke made one the other week and it was in the papers. You know, mm. I mean, I, 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 I actually think that Clayton 
is so spot on with that the, the, the kind of cyclical nature of defense symbiotic nature if you like maybe a better one where the defense and they, they they're almost combined the goalkeeper is part of the defense the, the defense are part of that goalkeeping team it's their job and if one of them isn't doing what they should be or hasn't got the confidence the rest of them are overworking overthinking and getting pulled into positions trying to look at every possible eventuality because they can't trust the guy that's in goal yeah, and I, I think just I, think, I think Frank I don't think it was brave which is what I'm trying to say no, fair enough. I think it was an intelligent decision that is made in the same way that Guardiola makes a decision and Klopp makes a decision well, no I, one questions it I agree with you entirely. It was the only decision to make and he made it. Jonathan, I just want to ask you, you know, sticking on the Kepa thing for a minute before we move on to the defence, because I've got some pretty strong views about that, which are fairly aligned with Tony. But if you think about it, Jonathan, um, it's really interesting what we're talking about here about, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, Kepa's proclivity to put his hands behind his back before he makes a save like De Gea. The fact that he doesn't come out and command the area, he's rooted to the line. If you remember, Frank was really, really wanted to have uh, Shea Given as the goalkeeping coach, didn't yes, he? Yes, that never took Given place. Given wouldn't come, and we, we've had Hilario. So, I mean, we're sticking the, the blame on Kepper, which, you know, on the one hand seems reasonable, but on the other hand, maybe there's other stuff going on that we don't know about. Well, I... I... I'm I'm not convinced that it's a it's a, a a great individual decision by him. I think that he would have obviously spoken to Petr Cech, who's the greatest goalkeeper we've ever had, before making the decision. And I think it may be that yeah. um, rather than go to the board and Marina and say, "Look, we need another goalkeeper," it, it, they all may be saying, "Look, it's bleeding obvious. You're absolutely right." So I'm not sure that it was you know the great the great decision that um, we're making it out to be, you know, good old Frankie's out on a limb. I think he's been backed up all the way. And I think, cause they're after excellence they're, If this is a push for, for becoming part of the top three again, uh, top two, I should say, then um, um, it, it's, it's, it's bleeding obvious that he's not good enough. And, uh, and, and Willie purely by just having the experience and the positional ability and, and, and being much more of a of somebody who who dominates an area has proven that um, um, our man hasn't been doing it. So I I think uh, rather than praising Frank for doing it, I think we should accept that there were many other people involved. Jody would have been involved. Um, uh, Petter would have been involved, and I'm, I'm not even convinced. That I think they have a very good relationship with the board as a consequence via Petter. That's what Petter Czech's role is. So I'd have thought that. That at the moment they may be looking for other goalkeepers. I always thought, in fact, this was rumbling on. I thought this was something, whether this was another Twitter rumor or a rumor of of fact, that they were trying to find a goalkeeper um, uh, to put pressure on Kepper earlier on in the season, and perhaps nobody became available, as has frequently been the case, because you don't want them to be lumbered who somebody isn't quite good enough. But uh, if somebody comes up or they can make an offer in the transfer window, I. I think we're going to see some uh, some pretty quick activity over this. So, what 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 your um, transfer source is telling you, J.K.? Because um, <laughs> we know you're abreast of all of them. <laughs> no, I got one from Ron yesterday. <laughs> oh no, God, help us! I, I know, but I know, I but I I I I called him out on it because he said it was um, Batshuayi and uh, um, uh, 
Batshuayi and um, Barclay to be swapped for rice plus money. And I said, no, nah, I can't. I said, that was in the Express. So we can't ever believe what the Express <laughs> said. I said, also, why would West Ham want to take those two? I said, uh, Barclay, possibly because he's worked with Moyes, but I, I can't see that. But, but rice is, an, I think, as, as Joe Tweed said recently, that rice is, would, actually, um, would actually do very well but as I think they'd have to buy another person as well to, to back him up, which would, which would be fair enough. Um, but no, I, uh, the rumours were um, that Henderson was going to be um, uh, the, the at, at Burn, where is he? At, 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 um, Sheffield United. Sheffield United, United yeah, but, and, you know, but, but at the same time, he's, um, they're also talking about him just going back to United and taking over from De Gea. Yeah. So, he said he's not prepared to go back and, and, and have to compete for his, his place. With the yes, head. well, they, they may as well. So, yeah. So, so no, I think it's the you. I think we we're all. It's all guesses from us as always. And some bright spark, some keyboard warrior will no doubt embrace it and put it I, all I, over. The place. I have a theory. Yeah, I have a theory that we can we if we made the move instead of going for Chilwell, because I'm not convinced we need him. Well, I, I, if, I, I, if we I, went, I don't in think for, it's a real one anyway. But anyway, sorry. If we went in for Cashmas Michael. Ah, oh, yeah, wonderful. I agree. Four years. He's, he's, he's a wonderful he, goalkeeper. Yes, and he's a, and he would want Champions League football. J.K. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was interesting. What do you think, Clayton Schmeichel? Um, I, I'm, do you know what I think? I think that um, we should basically go to Burnley and say we want Pope and we want me. What do you want oh, for them? Yeah, that's a good. How much are you worth, Clayton? very good i think slightly ironic there but americans might get it Never mind. um but i basically i think that would uh that that would be the thing to do now i i think you'll recall that i mean far far be it for us for us to take advantage that during uh, COVID and the lockdown, one of the teams who they said were in huge financial trouble were Burnley. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have to think that a decent um, amount of money would actually yeah. uh, prize them away. I think that the greatest shame in all of this um, is the fact that when we signed Kepper, because we signed Kepper, uh, we had a kid called Bulka. Yeah, who definitely. basically wouldn't renew his contract because we'd signed a, a, a keeper on a seven-year deal. And, and you, you know, the guy had ambition and, and he went to PSG. And he's basically sat on the bench uh, for PSG. Now, I'm not saying we should get him back, but um, it's another option. Um, he was great, wasn't he? Pre-season, he was yeah. two pre-season games. Right? He was decent pre-season. Yeah. I mean... <sighs> The, the, the point was that it would have been too much of a risk at the start of that season um, with Courtois going for us to say, that's fine, we'll promote Bulka. It was too much of a risk. He had no Premier League experience and I, don't, I, I just don't think anybody would have done it. I don't think Sarri would have accepted that. You know, they would have, they would have had to have got somebody else in. But I think that's a great shame. But I mean, out of all the English goalkeepers, or not the English goalkeepers, I think to look abroad is wrong. I think we have to go and get a keeper with Premier League experience. Why is that? I mean, Why I don't... Because you just want somebody, because it's such an important role that you can't have 
well, obviously, Oblak defeats. Well, that's my what argument. I'm. That's what I'm thinking. But although you're you're right to a degree, because, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: Oblak has um, Champions League experience, which you want, but not Premier League experience, which you want, because the Premier League plays in a very different way to the European game. In other words, what you're talking about is you want a hairy ass goalkeeper like you and I grew up with, who will yep. bloody command his box and the penalty area and clear it out. And continental goalkeepers don't tend to do that, do they? They don't. They don't. It, it's quite funny because you were talking about the fact that um, Willie is old and wise and all the rest of it, and he is, and he's an old-school goalkeeper. Um, part of the problem that you've got is that, I mean, one of the keepers that they're looking at apparently is Anana uh, from Ajax. And, you know, he is apparently available for €30 million. Euros. Now, he obviously plays in a foreign league and would need time to acclimatise, but the thing about him is that Playing for Ajax, he he plays, you know, with his feet, and he knows he can he can play the ball out with his feet, which is what we want. Uh, Oblak is is probably the best shot stopper in the world, but he's not particularly um, expensive at playing the ball out from the back, and that's not how Atletico Madrid play. So there's there's plus and minuses. Don't get me wrong, Oblak. If Oblak came in, it would change everything. Um, But I think. It's, it's going to be difficult, but I do think we we should look close to home. I really do. And I would be happy with Ben Foster coming in for a season whilst we scout around or send, you know, send Kepa back to school. Um, Schmeichel, yeah, um, possibly. Um, but yeah, I, it's difficult because it's such, such an important decision. I mean, we, we're spending so much money up the other end of the pitch. Um it's it's the old thing. We're building a house from the roof downwards. My um, shout for Schmeichel is, you know, I've watched him for a few seasons now. But it's long-standing, Tony, isn't it? You're a big admirer. I am, yeah. He, and I think he's he's a chip off the old block. You know, I, I love it, I think, Tony. He's, a, I I think way, he's a very good goalkeeper. I love the he, way that he he gets shots that we you think yes. when you're watching, it's a goal. Yes, it's and gone past get, him. Yeah. yeah, and you'll get a hand to it and flick yeah. it over the bar, and you think yeah. that is. That is because you're, yeah. you're absolutely saving your defence and you're saving the team. Yeah, but something the, that you were willing to accept—that's a goal. It's gone in. Good shot. Really good. He, and he, and, he and that's yeah. to me. That's what you you want a class goalkeeper to do. Yeah. But he's he's had he's obviously been scored quite well by his dad. And, and yeah. if you remember, if you, even you he listened to Gary Neville and any of them speak, they lived in fear of him when he was in that box because he bossed it. He was in their faces, in his defenders' faces, telling them, organising them, and all that. And uh, you know, and he was a he was a fantastic goalkeeper as well. But I hated him when he was at United because he wasn't with us, basically. Um, and I, I I genuinely think that Cashmere Michael. Look, I, I I stick by what I said earlier. I think when you've got a goalkeeper of thirty four, which I think Cashmere Michael is, he's got three or four top years in front of him. That's been proven time and time again in league after league. Goalkeepers. I think generally improve as they get older. Then they hit something where reflexes aren't quite what they used to be. But they, you know, I look at Buffon. I mean, how long did that guy go on for? Is he still playing? I don't know. He probably still is somewhere. I mean, they'll be wheeling him out on Yeah, he is. He's at Juve. Yeah. So I, I, He's I, still I, at Juve. And I'm not saying don't go and get a young keeper and, and bring him in. I'm saying I think actually Pope from Burnley is a very, very good shout. I think Henderson is also a potentially good shout. But I think if you're looking for the next three or four years and you want somebody who, who's, who, who's probably 
could be potentially his last chance to get Champions League football, would relish that. I think Casper Schmeichel would mm. be looking at us and going, "Yeah, I think, I think, I think any of those Pope Henderson, yeah. Foster, Schmeichel, any of them would do a good job for us. I also think All Black would be a very good buy, although I fear he'll be rather expensive. Um, it's not just the keeper. We we've said this time and time and time again. But I, what I did find really interesting uh, against Wolves yesterday was how good Zuma and Rudiger played. It's really interesting, actually, because I, I did a quick um, post-match stint on the Wolves fan cast, believe it or not. There is another fan cast with Wolves in the title. Yes, I saw, them really good bu- I saw yeah, you retweet yeah, it. Yeah, they're a good bunch of lads, actually, and they were really ranting and raving about it. Saying that they weren't creative at all, and I said, "Well, that's just I don't. I think this this is the trouble, isn't it? With 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 fans, you know, we only ever see one team playing. We never ever take account of how well the other team plays." And I said that that's one of the best defensive performances I've seen us put in this season. And I mm-hmm. thought that Zuma and Rudiger actually looked like proper centre backs. You know, they looked like they knew what they were doing. You know, if one made a made a rick, as defenders will do, the other one covered. Um, the one uh, that springs to mind is Zuma, when yeah, Doherty yeah. broke down the right. Yeah. Um, and I thought Zuma did a brilliant covering chase and tackle in the second half as well. They really look good. But here's the thing, JK. For me, without going back to Kepa too much, it just shows you, you know, that the defence with a decent keeper or a keeper who they feel, you know, is secure behind them will play with more confidence. And at the end of the day, football is a confidence game, isn't it? Yes, you, you alluded to that on WhatsApp, didn't you? You were, mm. you were happier about that. Yeah, I think it... it. Mm. I mean, it, it, it's like with cricket, the same thing. If the keeper, wicketkeeper's not very good, you can totally see all the... Right. Uh, the um, Dowridge. The, the fielders, yeah, the fielders aren't convinced that they're going to throw the ball at him or make a run. So they might even be tentative about throwing the ball over the stumps. They'll just try and hit the wicket. It's it, it, it's if, if the central position is 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 if the most essential, the really important. Well, it's not the most. It's a really um, it's a terrifically important position. Obviously, um, it isn't isn't being uh, um, well. The, the 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 person isn't isn't good enough. Or is having a, a dodgy one, then uh, the confidence, the confidence. Well, everybody's having to make decisions not to involve him, or everybody's having to make decisions to, to almost to cope for that, which which means that they're not relaxed. So it means the whole of the defence isn't relaxed. And uh, and I thought I agree with you completely. In fact, I thought Zuma was outstanding yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Is, is a that a good season? Yeah, yeah. You well, know, prior Rudiger coming back. Uh, we were forced, if you remember at the beginning of the season, to play Tamori and Zuma. Because Christiansen was out and uh, uh, and, and Rudiger was out. And, and they didn't let us down. I mean, we may not have shown, but we certainly didn't appear to be as shaky as we got later on. But, you know, and I, I still think there's that combination with the keeper. So I, I'm, I'm more than happy. I think Zuma gets a bad press. I think it's very, it's too easy. It's lazy when people sit there and go, Oh, he's not very good with the ball. Well, if he's not good with the ball, what the fuck is he doing on a football pitch? <laughs> well, I've said that about a few players in the past. Yeah, to be but honest. you know, the fact is, we say he's not good with the ball because people may have seen him make one error and then it's it's boom, it's in there. It's almost like it's tell in you what, Tone, he's better than me. Yes, yes, and me, and I'm that saying something. No, but honestly, but <laughs> but I take JK's point there about the cricket is 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 absolutely yeah, spot on. It's absolutely point. spot on, and. And and the difference when Caballero's played this season, he's played all our cup games, I think, hasn't he? Mm. Right. But we've looked diff- we've looked different at the back. We've we've looked 
look at look at the game we had against United. We, we, we shut the shop up. Yeah, it was. It, there's, a, there's a great correlation between the two. I think you're absolutely right. I oh, think, the United uh, game, J.K. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, final final point on this before we disappear. Um, you know. Well, we'll talk about it later. I was just going to say it would be hilarious irony if 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 we find Kepper in goal on Sunday, on Saturday. <laughs> I, was, I, I was going to save that gag for later, but it was too good. Yeah. I mean, look, the the reality is, is that I think you know the question I really want to ask is this: we know we have to get another goalkeeper, but given how well uh, Zudiger have played, the collective noun for Zuma and oh, Rudiger. Oh, no, no, let's not yeah, go No, no, I was so chuffed with myself coming up with that one last week. I'm going to run it again this week. But if uh, knowing, knowing how well Zudiger have played with a decent-ish keeper behind them, and knowing I, I've got a lot of faith in Tamori, I have to say. I think there's a real player in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, it, do we do we need, Clayton, uh, a new centre-back? You know, because I've been waving the flag for the last few weeks about, we need an experienced old pro in there to sort them all out the back. You know, yada yada yada. So, do we? I mean, we've seen a different side of it in, in the United and the uh, the Wolves game. Uh, yeah, big caveat though. Um, they all look very good playing in a three, mm. and they've got Superman next to them, who basically organises them. And I thought he was magnificent yesterday. I really do. He's just, he's just such a pro. He's so good. I thought he was fantastic yesterday. Talking about so. Yeah, he's completely unheralded. Nobody, you know, he didn't get mentioned yesterday on TV. Uh, why should they? But I do, I do worry. I mean, yes, I do think that when we play three at the back, we're a lot more solid, um, and that is because we've got more cover. And I think that both Rudiger and Zuma did play well yesterday. Um, it's quite interesting, actually, because you're so right when I was watching like the first 40 odd minutes and I was thinking we can't put a pass together, we can't hit our own players. And I was thinking, but that's because Wolves are very, very good and they're mm. very difficult to play against. Very hard um, to break down, I thought. Very tough really not are. to crack. Discipline. They really are. They had, they but, had five players on one occasion on Pulisic. Five? Yeah. I know. I, I know. I know. They, 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 man, they man-marked him. They yeah. man-marked Jorginho. And they were they were very good. And and they, were trying, they were trying to they were trying to pick out Alonso too. Yeah, they trying were to play yeah. behind him all the time. I always yeah. feel about this is that that is so knackering, <clears throat> just constant press. Yeah, constant, constant. And I thought, regardless of what happens in the first half, we'll come back into it in the second half, just because of that. Yeah. It's so I mean, I mean, I'm absolutely commendable. I thought they they I mean, I thought they were going to score all the time. I was actually having kittens every single time. They got near the goal just because they was they were so um, expert at stopping people from playing. But they then yeah. were as nervous as we went and just kept giving the ball away. That yeah. was the major major yeah. problem with that. They could. They well, could that that is because I think that we upped our game and we started pressing. We did as well. We did. And well, I we think had the energy we, we to were do very that. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the key thing, boys, is the fact that we scored first, which is always huge. Uh, and in part two, we're going to pick up the story. Uh, about how we did just that. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. 
footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, your old Uncle Chidge, and uh, the delightful Jonathan Kidd. Can I be Can I be great Uncle Jonathan? You can oh. be great Uncle Bulgaria if you like. Thank yes. you very much. Hello everybody, lovely to be here. And uh, the ever-faithful Toba Mori that is Clayton Beerman. Good evening. And uh, the, if, I'm, if I turn out to be the woman, Bumble, no, you're not going to be Madame Cholet. I was, <laughs> I was toying with that, but I think you would have to be Tomsk, mate. Oh, excellent. Okay, well, I'll, yeah. I'll stick with that one. <laughs> and I, and I am clearly Bernard Cribbins. Anyway, good evening, one and all. Uh, right, okay, we're in part two, and we're still talking about the uh, superb. Um, I mean, I say it was superb. I have to say, I'm very much tinged with. Sadness, I suppose, because the last game of the season is always very special um, to be there for obvious reasons, you know, not least because I'd have been down the pub getting hammered until closing time with all of you lot, really. Um, and it just seemed really wrong not being there yet again. But it was all about the result yesterday. And boy, did we get it. But there's a, it, you know, we were talking about this a minute ago, weren't we, that you know, it was a really nervy start. Both sides were quite nervy. But Wolves, I think, are superbly coached by Espirito Santo, easy for me to say. Um, really disciplined, tough nut to crack. As the boys were saying, they, they man-marked Pulisic and Jorginho and they were trying to exploit any kind of Alonso-esque weaknesses. Um, and I thought it was really, really nip and tuck. And it was clear to me that the first goal was going to be huge. And I kept on thinking at the time, Jesus, if they score first, how on earth are we going to score? Because they are so hard to break down. And then, you know, the referee stroke VAR gods shine on us and uh, Alonso took a wonderfully well-timed dive. Clearly a dive. Clearly no a foul, dive. No foul at all. Uh, in a very, very opportune place. Now, I thought, I thought it was going to be Alonso who would take the free kick and try and bend it into the top right corner because he's very pretty good with his left, left peg. But Mason Mount uh, steps up and takes it, J.K. And what a superb free kick it was! Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was so essential as well. It was so beautifully taken, and yeah, they had a kind of um, they they had a, a fake discussion, didn't they, as to which one was going to take it? Um, yeah. But just a little note about the referee Atwell. Um, he, he's my um, one of my favourite uh, um, uh, Sunday League type referees who <laughs> in, insists on standing about 35 yards away from the play nearly all the time. And it, it, if you do that, you're, you're going to miss all these major things or make a decision. He clearly, from his angle, 35 yards away in the centre circle practically, um, decided that uh, um, that Alonso had, had, had been clipped by the, by whoever the, the, the player was. I can't remember which one tackled him for the, for the high ball. But um, in those instances, he needs to have a relationship with the linesman, because the linesman can see it much better than him. But of course, the linesman did nothing. And you just think, they're supposed to be part of a team, but clearly they're not. So he's always relying on his own view of the game, and he was too far away. So in a sense, it was inevitable that he'd give a foul. If, he, if his angle is such, he sees an element of contact, and he just he just falls over. Um, I mean, interestingly, if that had been the uh, United game the other day, who was the... Um, uh, who was the the ref? Was it Moss? I can't remember. In the um, didn't didn't give it the connection between Zuma and um, uh, who was their centre forward? United centre forward. 
um, he probably would have given a foul then himself, a foul then, and he didn't. And that was the big thing that Solskjaer went on about how um, Zuma should have been. It was Martial. Yeah, that's right, Martial. You're right. It was, and he went on about how they'd been cheated by this, which I thought was a very um, low thing to have talked about. It was such rubbish because it was just two blokes going for the ball, and he wasn't even looking at him. It was just, it, it was just two players arriving yeah. at the same time it was and it also it was outside the penalty area but he said it should have been a red card i mean goodness anyway yeah the, you have a great you, the, the free kick is set up and as you say chidge i thought it was going to be alonzo because he's he can be so good at those but it's um what what's lovely about that mason mount free kick of course is there's a video of mason mount aged about 11 doing exactly the same free kick that's been doing the the rounds yeah um ex- dips over the wall and goes into the bottom, bottom corner in exactly the same exactly way the same, and uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was lovely to see him uh, do that. But but he was great. Mount was great yesterday. Mount, has been, Mount has been well, great, great assist, the, great assist yeah. for Oli Giroud for the oh, goal we're we'll talking pass. about in a minute. But, yeah. but, you're, but you're right. I think I think you know. I I, I I mean, it'll be coming up soon in a few episodes time. Anyway, we'll 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 think about our player of the season. But Mason Mount's got to be up there. I mean, there's a very interesting stat here actually which I think underlines it for me, because I think, you know, a lot of the shit that uh, Mason Mount gets on Twitter, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I think people people just forget that this is his first year in the Premier League, that he is, I think he's still only 19, maybe 20 now. Uh, but he's the third youngest ever player to make 50 appearances for Chelsea in a single season. Um, the two youngest are Alan Hudson and, uh, and um, Jonathan's favourite, Stroller Graham. So, you know, that, I think, puts it into beautiful uh, context. Clayton, uh, you know, what more can one say about Mason Mount that hasn't already been said? I think he's been absolutely superb. He's been really important for us this season. Um, How important do you think he'll be going forward? Um, I think, and I said this earlier in the season, if he plays, we play. I think he's that important. I don't know what it is he does. Well, I do know he works very hard and he's very talented. But when he's on his game, we we are on our game. And every time it's no coincidence that when we play well, um, it's because he's playing and because he plays well. Frank knows that. Frank keeps picking him. I think that Frank can actually see a lot of him in Mason Mount. I would imagine that he's the one that's driving him forward. Um, it was quite interesting because obviously Jamie Redknapp yesterday was talking about how he'd heard he was a fantastic professional, works really hard, etc., which has obviously come from Frank. Um, he's he's fantastic. I, I do think, I was just Jonathan talking about Atwell, who was absolutely hapless yesterday, but he made a fantastic decision because for the second goal and the ball that Mason Mount put through, Pulisic won the ball on the halfway line and was chopped down and Atwell waved play on, which yeah. allowed Mason Mount to put the ball through. So he did have his one... Right, right moment of refereeing. No, he's. I think he. I think he's fantastic. I mean, it's quite interesting. You, you think about all the permutations about next season, um, about who's going to be playing, and you have to assume that Williams going. I think Mason Mount will still be one of the first people on the team sheet. I, I think you're right, Clayton. I think that Frank is actually. Um, I think he is the foundation of what Frank wants to to try and do, and. You know, to, to to I mean, we're now with the benefit of wonderful hindsight of a whole season behind us. We can see that very, you know, that's what Frank's been doing. He's his first name on the team sheet. Near as damn it, he's made more starts than anybody else. Tony, I think the interesting thing about Mount 
uh, given his age, and we we hear Lampard saying all the time that um, he thinks he can get better and better and better, which you'd expect of a young player. Um, you and I, and all of us sitting here tonight, will remember watching Frank Lampard play when he first played for Chelsea. And I, rem- I mean, we used to call him Frank Lamppost. I mean, we were singularly unimpressed and we thought, what a load of waste of money on this chap. And, you know, he looked well out of his depth playing in Chelsea at the time. Mason Mount's come in at a much younger age than Frank was when he signed for us and has been one of the most important players in the team. Yeah, I think he's Frank's anointed replacement. I, I do. I think I genuinely think he's got that ability that as he grows in confidence and stature and, and experience, that you know, I, I think he's a regular twenty goals a season man. I genuinely do, Mason Mount. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a local hero around here because he's, yeah, he's a Pompey boy, isn't he? And you know, uh, the, one of the guys I, I meet when I'm out walking the dogs, uh, Mark, when he, we, we, he's got his dog with him. He, he goes to, he's a season ticket holder with Haven and Waterlooville, goes home and away. And Tony Mount, Mason's dad, goes to a lot of those games still. So, to, sorry, quick interruption, Tony. When you support Haven and Waterlooville, so home and away, so is home Haven and Waterlooville away? Is that how they alternate? <laughs> very, very good. Uh, the, the, the Hawks, as they're known around here. The Hawks. The Hawks. There's no H yeah. in Hampshire, you know that. Yeah, um, but I think. I'm massively impressed by Mason Mount because I'll be honest with you, when he was at Derby last season, I hadn't heard of him. Um, and Didn't you uh, watch the Derby games then? No, I, I didn't watch the Derby games. Oh. Um, I, I, I didn't watch Napoli either uh, much. Um, oh. but, um, I, I, I look at Mason Mount and think, uh, there's a lot of Jody's influence in this, obviously, um, with his connections back to the academy um, and the players he's got coming through uh, or, or seen coming through or whatever. I think Mason Mount has been out. He's absolutely outstanding. His work ethic is he, up there with Azpilicueta. He, he just does not stop. Um, and even when his head drops, if, it, if his head does drop, that's purely down to inexperience and, and, and being so young. I think, he, you know, if, if he was going on the open market, we'd have people queuing at the door to get him off the bus. Yeah. I genuinely do. He's been that impressive this season. Um, and even, you know, I've I, I seen somebody on, on, you know, in the in the mixer room saying, oh, he's not been consistent. Well, he's been as consistent as any other player in our team this season. And 51 starts tells me a story there. Um, yeah, if he wasn't consistent, if he was, if Frank had any doubts, he wouldn't have got that many starts. No. It's a phenomenal amount. I think, haven't we, haven't we, hasn't Frank given 35% of all the minutes this season to the academy's players or something? Something like that. Something like yeah. that. I mean, it's incredible when you compare to every single previous manager I can ever remember, um, or certainly in the Roman era. Um, it's, it's an incredible uh, change of strategy, change well, of To model. be fair, he didn't have a lot of choice with the he transfer didn't. ban. He didn't, but he, <clears throat> do you know what? He, he had the bravery to do things that, that, uh, that the imposter from last season didn't do. Yeah, but he, it, it, it's very different scenarios. I, oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't go with it. You, you, you know, you still had chances to give players last season, you know. Yeah, thumb, but he didn't have to make... He didn't have to make... He didn't have to make the choice oh, he last didn't. season. He didn't. And he, Whereas Frank and he, didn't really have the choice. But, but the reality is, is, is he didn't well, hang on, hang on. Let, 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 let me respond. I, I think the difference is, is that 
irrespective of the circumstances, which meant that Frank didn't have a lot of choice and he had to rely on the academy kids, he has got the best out of them. Yes. And I think that's oh, the yeah. fundament that's the fundamental difference. Yeah. In other words, they were part of the game plan. Okay, yeah. they kind of had to be, but you know, yeah. having had to do that, he made it work. And I think that's the most impressive thing. Yeah. And I think I think here's the other thing. You know, we've all watched the youngsters. Uh, you know, a few break in every year, get a few minutes here and there, and none of them, and I include Loftus Cheek in this, ever really looked like they felt they belonged. No. They all looked like they were out of their depth. The the, the trick that Frank played this year, albeit not having had too much choice in doing this, was that he made them work. Yes. He made them feel like they belonged. He got the best out of them. It's and funny. That's where he deserves the credit. And I think it's funny, isn't it? Because you'll still see the press bigging up Phil Foden when he's done nothing, nothing in comparison to what Mason Mount's done this year. Yeah, totally. Now, it's not Phil Foden's fault necessarily, but no, no. he's definitely not had the impact. And... and that, that Mason Mount has had. I, I, I want to go from one end of the spectrum to the other, uh, JK. Um, how does he do it? Uh, Oli Giroud, I mean, my God, to think that, that we nearly let him go in, in January. He, he uh, Just read out some stats here. <clears throat> he scored during first half stoppage time in four straight games, which I quite like. Eight goals in 12 games, six in nine since the restart. Uh, 85 games, 46 starts, 27 goals, 13 goals to open scoring, 13 assists, two trophies uh, since he start, signed for Chelsea for 18 million. Um, I think given how important he's been in this run-in, and let, let's be honest, I think he's been fundamental you know, to it, he's got to be one of Chelsea's best value buys in recent times. And you think that, I mean, I, you and I will remember this, we'll all remember this Well, I was at Southampton when he turned that game around just after he signed. Um, and he galvanised a bit of a flagging season then, didn't he? But he's been superb for us, Oli Giroud. What a what brilliant bloke. What a great player. My my affection for him has grown exponentially. It has grown. It is knowing no bounds. I now look at him and think, you are such a great um, exponent, use the same word practically, of the art, uh, that um, I don't know how he can ever have not played. Uh, he is absolutely terrific. And it's specifically dealing with um, the kind of defences that we encounter in the Premier League uh, and the kind of centre-halves, who I, I don't think that Tammy can cope with. I, I think Tammy's lost his confidence. And I think Tammy um, thrived beautifully under the, the uh, uh, with all the kids at the beginning of the season when the football was that sharper and was being played more ex- express speed, which um, Oli couldn't actually deal with. I think that's why he... He never got selected because the pace of the game, um, whenever he did come on, we were a bit critical because we thought he's not working in this environment. But now that Frank has actually come up with a um, a setup that I think suits the Premier League better, he is the ideal person. And it's then that you look at his immense skill, his ability to hold the ball up, his scrapping. He, he gives the centre-half such a hard time and I would I would equate Mark Hughes with him for me who was one of my favorite ever Chelsea player mind you every if I'm so old every every two seasons I have another favorite Chelsea player but uh, if anybody ever saw Mark Hughes his um his his ability to actually just impose himself on the game and the center half was was just brilliant as well as a fan, fantastic ability to get the ball in the net really really 
great effort, but a, a, a sure shot and uh, and a great skill. And I think Oli has all of that. And I think we're seeing the best of him at the moment for, um, for Chelsea. Um, I mean, having said that, though, he, he scored. We have to remember he scored such an iconic goal in the Europa League final, um, which I hope we can replicate against Arsenal again. Um, uh, but uh, it, it's his... It's that ability to score centre-forward goals, like the goal in the final in the Europa League, which is a header from the edge of the area um, that is bullet-like and um, uh, taking shot a, a double shot. The the double shot he scored against um, when was it that he he had the first shot and it came out and he whacked it back in again. Was that against City? Um, it was. No, it was against Spurs. Was oh Spurs? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Another great accuracy, brilliant accuracy. So he's got the whole package for me. And I've just become more and more admiring of him. And as I say, I think he now fits in as the perfect striker for Frank's setup. And having said that, though, I'll be intrigued to see what happens next season. Mm -hmm. I just have to say, he had no right right to get to that goal yesterday. Because that looked all the world. He lost it. He had done enough. And he, he just... When, as it went in, I thought he had no. He had, I'm sorry, I didn't think the he effort was score. great, wasn't yeah. it? Because he, 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 the centre half had imposed himself yes. in between him and the ball, hadn't yeah. he? But it, yeah. he just had that second split second to whack yeah. it in. But yeah. he, he's um, he, he, he you think now he's got to the stage you think I don't. It doesn't matter how many. He's so many near misses as well. Yeah, and and he's and he's getting almost gets on the end of practically everything that is yeah. given. You I just you have to you realize this is why he was constantly selected for France. Oh, absolutely. This is why he won a World Cup. This is why yeah. he is an absolutely top player. Yeah. The defenders yeah. don't like playing against that kind of no effort. He, he, and I'll tell you what, he's a weird kind of cross between uh, Drogba and Shearer. It, it kind of rumbustious and yet. Certain yeah. amount of elegance there. There is a Drogba-esque actually quality yeah. about him. That ability and, just to to impose yourself on the centre half yeah. and then get a shot in. Yeah. Think how's he got the shot in? Yeah. Uh, but and, I love the runs to the near post. The near post runs that he connects with are yeah. absolutely class. Absolutely. I think I said well. the other day, it's like watching a Joe Royal from the sixties. You just think, you know, it's a huge bloke making a run yeah. and getting on the end of it, and he knows he just has to get a bit on it. And it'll deflect it towards the goal. And the goalie will never get it because the goalie's not expecting it at that speed. So you're wrong footing them. It's 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 really class play from Giroud. Yeah. Clayton, um, I'm sure you would agree with all of that. Um, I mean, we we know he's managed to get a year's extension to his contract. Um I mean, there's a theme that I want to pick up on here, which um we haven't talked about enough actually, but He's got another year. Tammy will be there. Werner will be there. So you've got three three you know players competing for the uh, the you know the central striker's role. Um, I think Havertz is more kind of midfield wide, isn't he? But you know, so we've got three potentially quality strikers here, which I think you know a club of Chelsea's aspirations absolutely has to have. Um, what role do you think Giroud plays next year? <laughs> nice easy question um i don't i don't know it's 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 very interesting isn't it because everything jonathan said and tony said is 100% correct he has come into his own he's been absolutely magnificent and 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 in some respects he has carried us 
over the line since um, we came back. Mm -hmm. He he has single-handedly um, carried us over the line, in my opinion. I think he's just been outstanding. I mean, it's quite interesting because earlier on in the season, I think it was the Southampton game where we lost 2-0, and he absolutely stunk the plays out. Yes. He was just hopeless. And it's one of those examples, and, and it's quite interesting because you don't actually perceive him to be one of those players. But he's had a run of games. He's in a rhythm. He's basically playing at the top of his game. And maybe it's because he's basically had game after game and he's so attuned to what he's doing at the moment. I'm not trying to not answer your question, but the fact is that we've now got three completely different strikers. We've got um, Giroud, who basically is a throwback because the thing about Giroud is not many players, there aren't many centre-forwards like him anymore. He's of the old school. Um, you've then got um, Werner, who's basically a guy who loves to come in from out wide, although I think we're going to play him as a centre-forward. And then you've got Tammy, and Tammy is still learning. And, and Tammy started off like a house on fire, but injuries and, and lack of confidence have obviously got to him. So he's got a lot to learn, whereas I think Werner is more uh, a... I won't say a finished product, but he's he's at least two, three years ahead of Tammy. Although I think, am I right in saying that Werner's actually younger than Tammy? Is Tammy's 25, isn't he? No. No? no he's not that old. No. Okay. All right. We'll have a Tammy. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know how old they are. Uh, but obviously, Werner's had four or five seasons of playing regularly, whereas Tammy, Tammy has He's a fully-fledged German international. Yeah. But, but the point is, that I think that next season, as far as Giroud is concerned, I think, unfortunately for him, he's going to basically be pushed back in the pecking order. Because I think that what with Ziyech and Werner, and if we get Havertz, which looks like we are going to get Havertz, Havertz is basically plays behind the front guys. And he, he is the sort of person who will make a lot of Frank Lampard-type runs. Are we convinced Havertz is coming now, then? Yes. Is that because his sister said so? It's good enough for me. For a bit, Tammy is 23. Honest. Thanks, Tony. Okay, and Werner, I think, is 24. Anyway, so I, th I think, unfortunately, that um, Ollie may get relegated again to um, just play that backup role because I don't, I think, you know, you spend 45 million on, on Werner, I think he's going to be the number one pick. Um, think, sorry. Sorry, but, go no, but I, I just, I mean, the, the thing is with, with Ollie is he is just the most fantastic alternative option if you're playing. Because it might be that when you're basically playing a Burnley or a Sheffield United, you know, yeah. you need to have a battering ram yeah. up front. So, and it might be that in those games, he'll play Werner out wide. Um, I, I, I also think there's a, a position. I, I, you know, I've read that Werner isn't uh, an out-and-out -out lone striker type of player anyway. Um, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you can remember this far back. I'm paying you all a huge compliment there, aren't I? Um, to the days when we used to play with Didier Drogba and Anelka in the team. Yeah. And it was fantastic to watch them because Drogba was the main striker, but Anelka knew where the goal was. And Anelka played some stuff in for Drogba that was out of this world because he knew where Drogba wanted the ball. He, he had that kind of reading 
of the game. So he was, he was like a almost well that kind of just sat back off the strike a bit like Rooney, I guess, used to do for a while. Um, and and I, I I love to see that. I love to see that. I, I'm you know I, I get a bit miffed when it's completely always about well you know who's going to be the lone striker. Well, why not just put two of them up there, one that can mm. sit off the other and play the other one in. And 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 Nicholas and Elka and Drogba used to do that wonderfully, I thought at times. And uh, you know, I think there's a possibility there. Like you said, you have three. You've got Werner and Abraham or Giroud. Uh, you probably would put Giroud and Abraham on together because Abraham is definitely more about pace. Tammy's more about pace, uh, uh, as we saw yesterday. Um, but you do have that. I can't. Uh, is foil the right word? That, yeah. You know that it yeah. kind of foil. Yeah. I, I think that would be intriguing, and and would be something that not not many other clubs appear to be doing. Hmm. Be interesting, won't it? Um, my, my like to close down the Giroud discussion. I think the one the area that we haven't really discussed enough, which I think Oli Giroud does bring to the table, and from what I understand, he's been very good at this uh, behind the scenes at the club. Uh, and it's his experience and it's kind of his mentoring approach. And I think to have somebody like Oli Giroud in the dressing room, in and around the dressing room, irrespective of whether he plays a lot next season, will be invaluable. And I think on that point, the interesting thing about this season, the run-in, you know, Frank, we, we, we you know, all this bigging up of the youth that we've done quite rightly this season. But actually, you know, Frank has had to rely, and again, I'm not surprised by this, on the experienced players in the side, you know, Oli Giroud, William, Aspilicueta. It's these players that I think that have really got us over the line in the restart, which is when it really counts, of course, you know, the last kind of 10 games uh, of the season, that's where it counts. And I think you cannot, as much as we love the youth and as much as they've been brilliant and as much as we know they're going to be brilliant even more so next season... Mm. You need to have experience. Yes. You need a balance of, of youth, talent, and experience. Yes. And it's, it's these old heads that have got us on the, over the line. Now, just want to shift uh, direction, uh, very much like an Oli Giroud turn. Um, I think we really need to applaud massively uh, Jorginho and particularly Kovacic in the midfield yesterday. I do think that this has a lot to do with how Frank sets the team up, you know, and I thought it was, I mean, you know, Wolves basically either play 3-4-3 or 3-5-2. Quite often we'll play 3-5-2 against the bigger teams. Um, But the trick is to not be, you know, monstered or outnumbered in midfield. And, you know, occasionally that's happened this season. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it later, but I think one of the key things in the Liverpool game was how Fabinho, Cater and uh, Wijnaldum absolutely monstered Jorginho and Kovacic. And that, that's where the game was won and lost for me. Yeah. And we've seen it in other games too. But I thought yesterday, <clears throat> I thought Kovacic and Jorginho absolutely controlled the midfield, Clayton. And I thought they were excellent. Jorginho and Kovacic, or should I say Kovacic and Jorginho. I thought he played well too. Um, I'm perhaps going to be slightly less charitable. I didn't think, I mean, I think Jorginho did a job, but I do, I don't know. I don't want to be down on him, but I, I, there were times yesterday when he was just getting me down because he slows things down and he's always going backwards. And I think maybe that, the, the point is that we didn't need to win yesterday. So I was getting impatient because we were being we were being slow with the ball, 
And he keeps playing the ball back to players who are not necessarily in the best position. He got robbed a lot. Um, but I would say, like the rest of the team, he upped his game in the second half and, and they were all very good. Kovacic, I just think he's, well, I've, I've always thought this, I just think he's a magnificent player. Yeah. I really yeah. do. Um, I I just wonder at his, his athleticism. I, I know that he sometimes runs out of steam, but he's just, I think, since we've he's come back... He's like, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, but he's so skillful. Mm. He is so skillful. It's quite interesting because we, we have a, I mean, with the exception of Mason Mount, who I don't know is in midfield player or forward. He's, he's a bit of both, a bit like Frank was. You know, we've got no goals in our midfield at all. And I love Cover, and I really do. And I, you if sound he like Graham just... Soonis, mate. Well, that, that I was going to actually... Like no, I, I, I was actually going to come on because that, that was his article, wasn't it? The, the article yeah. on the day before or the, the morning of the Man United game, slagging off our midfield that's got no goals in it um, and how it was going to be Man United's day. But just making the point that if Cover could add... I mean, I know he scored two goals, didn't he, like in two weeks? And we were who, all who can in forget his goal shot. against... <laughs> was it Valencia? Yeah, Valencia. <coughs> Excuse me. He looked the most surprised player in the stadium. He did. Um, it, was, it was actually a cross, wasn't it? Yeah. But, <laughs> that, listen, I mean, they, they both did a job yesterday. I mean, I, I don't mean to be down on Jorginho, but I, mm. I, I'm more reserved about what he contributes to what Cover contributes. Does he have a role to play next season, Jorginho? I, I'm no. a bit up in the air as to how no. it's going to be set up. I don't think he does. I think he's no, so. I don't. I mean, you know, there, there, there's, there's, there's people talking about getting rid of Kante, and I'm sorry. No, he, no, no, never. He's, a, he's our one world-class player. Yeah. I mean, it might be that we've got a couple coming in. I'm one. Well, then why get rid of one if you... you know, are you, you pointing to yourself, Tony? You were a class player. I am, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I think at what point at what point does a player become a luxury when they're made of gloves? He's hardly featured this season. Seriously, I, I think Canty may be... Uh, I know Andy Saunders um, thinks pretty similar to me. That it might be... The, oh, that, that, then we now know it's completely wrong, then. Well, it might be the time to cash out. You're not going to change my mind. I, I, as much as I love him, I just think we don't... I don't think we've suffered when he hasn't been there um, because we've got the likes, uh, certainly, of Kovacic, who I agree, Clayton. I mean, Kovacic scares me. If I was on the pitch, I don't think I'd be going anywhere near him. He's a mad falcon. <laughs> and I remember old Donal on the podding shed, and we said that, you know, every team needs a mad in there. I remember, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and, and he is it. He he looks, he looks like a fucking hitman. I don't know, have a look yeah. at him. But, um, you know, I just, he scares me. And I'm sure there are other players who are thinking, oh, okay, get away from him. But his skill and his, he doesn't have to be a goal scorer. Makaleli wasn't a goal scorer. I mean, Kant is hardly prolific. It's easy for you to say. It's easy for you to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's hardly free scoring. That's a better way of doing it. Um, and I, 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 as much as I love Kante, I just think when a player is out half the season, he was out half the season last year, so people can't give it the old, he's played every game. He has played, every, he has played as much as Mason Mount this season. And I, I just fear that Kante's made of glass and that, you know, that, that, that may become a bit of a liability for us. But I, I don't think, I think the opposite. I think in actual fact, he'll come back and he'll play whoever he plays for, if he is transferred, for another five to six years at the top of his game. Because he's, he's, uh, he's got such an engine about him. And also he gives such an option to Frank. 
Kante, if you have him playing um, in the middle, that now that he's gone into this role in the middle, because then Frank can then drive forward all the time, knowing that even with the fullbacks can drive forward, knowing that there's somebody there who can mop up for them. So I think he's an integral part of the team for next season and an integral part of, uh, of going into the Champions League. And I think they, I, should, I, they should really make him, um, uh, they should build round him if necessary. Uh, but if he want, if Frank then doesn't want to play him for whatever reason, if he wants to change a different formation, he, uh, it, once again, depending on who they buy. You know, if he buys a Rice figure and another centre-half and a full-back, we've suddenly got, in, and a goalkeeper, we're suddenly, who are of great class, we've, or our elite players, is what you'd hope, we're suddenly competing. Yeah, and I, think, I think you. I don't think you get rid of Kante. I don't think you. You can't compete it's a, for getting rid of Kante. It's a very. It would be. I, I would, it would say be a very, hang on, Tony. It would be a very, very bold move. I it think would, to, to, to sell to sell Kante. But the reality is, if you season, but if he spends next season half of it on the bench, then get shot of him. It would be a very bold move to get rid of Kante. Period. He's a world class player, and I think if you do let him go. You know, you are diminished. It's a fact. If you let world class players go, unless you bring in a replacement who's better, yeah, not then then you know you weaken the side. Yeah. And I just don't think we're in a position to do that yet. I mean, I take your point, Tony. You know, he's had a really. I mean, I worry about him. You know, are are all those seasons catching up on him? You know, the injuries that he he keeps getting are all kind of what do they call them? Those kind of muscle injuries that you get. They're all kind of indicative of somebody who got a nasty injury and hasn't just just hasn't recovered. So every time he, a bit like my knee, Tony, soft tissue injuries, isn't it? Yeah, a bit like my knee. I did my calf and then my knee went. You know, it's that kind of thing. So who knows? I'm just gonna. We should wrap this up, really. Um, otherwise, we hit sixties, eh, chicks? Yeah, that's true. Nor am I. Nor am I. Although you're about to be. Um, anyway, uh, in fact. Yeah, I'm, it's a shame. If we did this next week or the week after next, I'd be the only one in my 50s on the show tonight. Anyway, um, moving swiftly along, uh, we need to wrap this part up with uh, really a discussion about, about you know, how... I mean, it was quite interesting, wasn't it, actually? And you kind of expected nothing less in the post-match presser. Frank was being very magnanimous and saying, we ain't won anything. It's all, you know, this is the minimum requirement. This is what we're expected to do. I'm not going to shout about it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, I, 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 Frank is getting, getting, you know, so adept at the media afterwards that I, I'm going to have to issue a communique saying never believe a word he says. Just don't even listen to Frank's press conferences because he's, it, it, you know, it's a bit like, you know, Mourinho, you know, never give him anything, basically. So I think he's being far, you know, very disingenuous. I, I think this is a huge achievement. Uh, for Frank Lampard in particular, and Jody Morris, and of course the team as well, uh, particularly particularly the youngsters. I certainly I thought we would do no better than mid table at the start of the season. I prayed that we might get a decent cup run, but I had no hope that we would get to a final, given how much the likes of Liverpool, City, City in particular, you know, take the competition seriously and try and get in it. Um, so I thought, you know, that's what what I expected. I thought the best thing that we could hope for this season is a few of the youth players don't embarrass themselves. And yet, here we are. We're in the top four. Frankly, we should have had it sealed up mm. well before now, actually. That's the reality. We've been sat in the top four since October. We're in an FA Cup final. Um, I think it's, you know, with everything that went before, the transfer ban, losing Eden Hazard, don't forget that Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who were the 
the next great thing about to happen. Both got injured before he took over as well. I mean, everything he's had to deal with, I think it's been superb. I think it's a huge achievement for him. I really do. I'm going to finish off, Jonathan, before I bring you in. Just to, This is interesting um, because you might know the answer to this question, as actually all three of you should do. Frank Lampard is the only English manager in Chelsea history to win over half his league games in a top-flight season. Who was the last English manager, Jonathan, to get us in the top four? Oh, I think I know. Ted Drake. No. Dave Sexton. Yes. Very good, Tony. Very good. I mean... I think, you know, just to hear from each of you in turn, really, Jonathan, Frank Lampard, big achievement or what? I think it's a magnificent achievement, particularly since we were we were all saying at the beginning of the season that given, as you said, the, the, the transfer ban and the uh, and using the youth, um, we, we were, some of us were scared that he wouldn't even, he'd be sacked. And even the media were scared that, uh, not scared, they were convinced he'd be sacked because it was Chelsea if they didn't do very well. And we were worried after a few um, bad losses that uh, the board might lose um, confidence in him. Um, and yet uh, he's he's pursued his philosophy uh, despite um, large losses. I think a number of goals um, we've let in, but we've we've... We've scored so many more and, and, and played a, 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 a very decent attacking style that has a, a, allowed him to paper over the cracks to an extent that um, that he's uh, he's had a completely magnificent season when you look at it. We, if the fact that he's, as you say, Chidge, top four plus uh, a, a final is just completely brilliant to a, a manager who's never managed in the Premier League before, has only managed one year at, um, uh, at, a, at a championship club and... Um, and and had to sculpt a team, which um, he did very early on. And in fact, we then became irritated with him because he didn't maintain that momentum with with the kids initially. Um, uh, and he, I think every time he every time he's lost, he's lost pretty dreadfully. Um, and then he uh, he comes back and, and and the team he seems to redress the balance every time. And and he's also only he's learning as well. So mm. I think it only it, it it augurs so well for the future, it really does. I think he's um, he, he I mean you you would hope that having been a great player and uh, been under such fantastic managers that it has rubbed off. But the number of times a top player attempts to to manage and fails miserably. Um, Let's Jeff Hurst. It, hey, <laughs> Danny Blanchflower. But uh, John Holland. John, yeah. But uh, in this instance. He, he, he's been, I think this has ended up being a completely phenomenal season and it will be even more so if he wins the cup. I don't want to put the pressure on, but um, uh, yeah, I think, I think particularly with, with the, um, the desire next year of attracting even more players, top players, uh, to be in the Champions League is exactly, uh, is perfect. Very, very important, wasn't it? Yeah, to, to unbelievable. Get that top four. I mean, normally... We, we we all get a bit kind of meh about it. We're all old farts and it's all about winning a trophy. But actually this year, I think, was so important for all of those young players' development. And to now we can buy players again to get better players. So important to get tough for. Clayton, uh, point to dig out from JK there. We're the third best side going forward and something like the 13th or 14th worst going you know, in yeah. defence. Um, but even so, phenomenally good season. And, and, you know, Frank, 
really deserves a huge amount of credit, doesn't he? He does, and he won't get it. I mean, basically, because it's By, us. From whom? He gets it from us. That's where it he counts, gets it, surely. He get, well, it does, but basically, in the same way that... I always hark back to this because it just annoys the bejeebas out of me. Is that Ancelotti, when we won the double, I don't think we got any praise that season. I, I don't think... It was just like, oh, it's Chelsea that, you know, they've got lots of money. They, they bought it. it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the point is that this, as Jonathan said, is, you know, it's his first season managing in the Premier League. It's only his second season in management. He's basically qualified for the Champions League. Um, I think it's fantastic. I, he is a rookie manager, and it's quite interesting that his game management is getting better as as the season is is going on. Um Yes, he's made loads of mistakes this season, uh, but that just makes it even more amazing because he has made those mistakes and there's been games where we've been absolutely dire. Um, And yet, here we are. Um, There was an interesting stat I heard this morning, which basically was the amount of points that we got this season, which I think was 66 would have only got you in the top four once in the last 10 seasons. But it doesn't matter because we've got more points than all the rest of them. You know, you look at Arsenal, you look at Tottenham, you look at their squads and where they were at the start of the season and where we were. That um, that BBC prediction thing, three out of 20 pundits put us in the top four. Um, it was a fantastic One of them, one of them was Rude Hullet, who'd clearly yeah. been visiting Amsterdam. <laughs> he, he saw, yeah, he thought we were going to come second. And I think somebody else yesterday uh, posted the, the previews from the London Evening Standard. And they basically said that um, not one of the sort of eight people who did the predictions um, had us above Spurs and Arsenal. So, yeah, an, an incredible season. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Tony, I'm, I'm sorry to kind of give this, you know, one to you last, really, but, uh, I mean, would you have anything to add to that? I, I, I don't think I had any doubt. I, I didn't. I thought because of the transfer ban and, and, and for my mind, you know, the best player I've ever seen in the Chelsea shirt, Eden Hazard leaving, we, we would, you know, we, if we got six place I thought that was good Frank Lampard he's intelligent he's thoughtful he has won everything he's as qualified as Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and anyone else in that division to manage at the top flight Um, Klopp I think in his first season was it eighth fourth fourth second first or whatever Uh, and look how he's come on um, Pep Guardiola didn't exactly win everything first season um, with Manchester City, despite having riches beyond avarice, uh, you know, to, to to build a team. And Frank Lampard, and, and you know what? Are you, there's a little bit of reminds me. Do you remember last season and season? Well, do you remember Gary Cahill would have an absolute mare of a game and would proudly come back and play his socks off, never say a word against the team. Um, and it's that bounce back ability, I believe the phrase used to be. Frank Lampard's got that in spades. You know, there's, it, it's measured. He, he seems to take the defeats, although he's very good in front of the camera. You can almost hear him hurting. What he said after the game yesterday was just brilliant. 
brilliant about how hard he works, about how hard he wants to work, about how he wants to learn and how he sees all of this as part and parcel of his development as well as the team and the pride shone through. I genuinely, genuinely have not felt this good about a manager for a, a long time. I loved Conti. I saw where it went wrong in the end. Um, uh, uh, and But Frank Lampard, for me, you know, if England aren't knocking on his door in three or four years, I'll be amazed, you know, because he, I think he's he's got, he's got the minerals to be one of the best managers in the world. And if it isn't England, maybe one of the big Spanish or, or whatever clubs will come knocking on his door. And let's face wow. it, not many managers have gone abroad and, and been that successful or been sought after by those teams. Mm, but I think Frank Lampard's got it. Very interesting point, Tony, and a very interesting take as well. In fact, uh, some on Twitter might call that a hot take. I would. <laughs> yes. Uh, very good, mate. Well done. Nice to have a different angle on it as well. Right, that's uh, the end of part two, folks. Um, we're going to come back in a minute after a, a, uh, a comfort break. A lemon break, call it what you will. And we're going to be uh, looking back to uh, the defeat, uh, a very quick look back at the defeat to Liverpool last week. Uh, much more interesting is to look ahead to the, uh, the FA Cup final against Arsenal next Saturday. We'll see you soon. Chidge, JK, in all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Did you just say that? Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! FootballFancast.com Right, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge. Uh, Im over there, Mr Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on the show. 
Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello. And the ever so lovely Lord Chief Provost of the fan cast, Mr. Tony Glover. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Lovely to see you all. It's been fun tonight. Uh, right, let's take it down a notch because uh, we had a bit of a kamikaze session against Liverpool. What a bizarre match. I mean, I know we spoke a lot earlier on about uh, Kepa. We, we, you know, I mean, look, my own take on it was that not quite that it was all Kepa's fault, but I mean, number one, I mean, that Cater goal, yeah, you can say that was Kepa. You can say it was a great shot. You can say it was a bit lucky. It doesn't really help to go 1-0 down to Liverpool after 23 minutes. I think the real killer was the second goal, which, of course, should never have been a goal because it should never have been a free kick. Um, as for the rest of them, well, you know, the other three were all poor goals to concede. And the reality was, at, at 4-3, I was getting really excited. I thought, hello a minute, we've got all the momentum here. We could We could draw this game. And, of course, at the time, we only needed a point, if you remember. So, you know, it was all a bit kind of very weird, very end of season, all a bit mental. Um, the first thing I want to pick out in all of this, though, and in a sense it's given rise to the title tonight, uh, as in uh, the title of the show, uh, where basically Frank Lampard and Jurgen Klopp, uh, shall we say they had words? They had a bit of a spat. Now, any of you who listen to the the Love Sport Radio incarnation of this will remember a lovely chap called Matt Beadle, who in the latter days of the Friday Night Show used to present it. And Matt's a big Man United fan, and he and I did a lot of shows together, and we do share a mutual hatred of Liverpool. I haven't heard from Matt since the lockdown, which is very bad of me, because I should have at least, you know, checked in with him to see how he is. I got this... I got this WhatsApp message from him this afternoon, which I'll share with you because I know you'll all enjoy this because you all remember Matt fondly. Ahoy there, Mr. Chidgy. Hope all is well. I thought of you last week purely because I really rated Frank Lampard not playing by the media book and calling Klopp out. It's about time someone did. Now, OK, Matt's a Man United fan, so there's no love lost there. I get it. But I think, you know, I, I have to say, I, I, you know, and I know there was a bit of an issue about this on Twitter. I, I think Frank had every right to do what he did. Uh, Klopp is an absolute arsehole of the first degree. He's, he's a very smooth, clever manipulator of the media. Not that it's hard to manipulate a scouse-loving media anyway. But, I mean, if you ever see the antics that he gets up to on the touchline and the aggression that he shows to people... I mean, fl- frankly, I'd have chinned him, let alone told him to fuck off and fuck off some more, which is effectively what Frank did. Um, but, um, Jonathan, what do you say? Well, I love the fact that um, Klopp took the uh, um, the Chuckle Brothers position, didn't he, by saying, calm down, calm down. Um, well, let's see all the stereotypical Liverpool fan position. Was it the Harry Enfield position? Calm down, calm down. Um, and he said that in his German accent. Um and tried to make out that uh, at the end of the game that it, it was all, all right to do every, anything you wanted within the game, but then you all became, it was all forgotten at the end and you just got back to normal business. And he would learn very a- a- arrogantly and patronisingly, he said, Frank has to learn that, but he's only a young manager, he said, which I thought was uh, like a red rag to a bull, actually. And um, Frank could have come back. And in fact, I think did Frank did come back a couple of times. But of course, then there was that um, rather spurious uh, um, newspaper account of saying that um, Chelsea wouldn't be fining him as if somehow he'd said something that was uh, 
um, finable and that the club should be imposing some kind of sanction on Frank, which, of course, was never going to happen because it just happened something in the they, game. I doubt they were even considering it. No, of course they weren't. A classic no, newspaper shithouse. It was complete, utter shithousery. Um, but um, uh, I think he had every right. I don't... It, it was one of the particular... One of the members of the bench, didn't he shout out, book him or something or send yeah. him off? And that was what really caused Klopp's Frank to, to lose it. Do you know what he said? Sorry, what was that? Somebody? It was Klopp's assistant who was who was gobbing off. And that's it was him who was doing it. Yeah, and that's who he got um, annoyed yeah. with in particular. But and it's also only because we'd never have heard it if there'd been a crowd in there. It just had been a, an exchange, uh, uh, an irate exchange. We'd never have been party to it. But because there's no crowd in, we can, uh, we can make up practically everything that was said. But, you know, good luck to Frank. He's competitive. He, he, yeah. he, like us, appreciated the referee had made a complete ludicrous error. And they might probably, given the fact that um, uh, Alexander Trent Derby, um, why won't you stay? The fact that he can, uh, the fact that he can score from anywhere is, um, is uh, it, 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 he knew that a goal had been given away, really. And also probably knew because Kepa was in goal as well. According to Contrary Crowder, uh, yeah. It was a foul, but I think uh, what I would concede, Paul, was it was a foul earlier, which meant the free kick would have been further out, and that horrible little shit Sadio Mane looked like he was auditioning for the second instalment of the Platoon film. I mean, you know, the bloody Anfield sniper was out in full effect, wasn't he? What a fucking diver. Uh, Cheating bastard. Sorry. No, that's but good. You're right, please. Paul. I think I think I think you're right. I think there was a foul earlier on in the play. I'd give it I'd concede that anyway. Uh sorry, Jonathan. I, 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 I'm, I'd, I'd, I'd like I'd like to, to dispute Paul's view of this. When, Would you? When Paul, fight, where? fight, fight, fight. A minute fight. earlier. Do a clock, do a clock versus Frank. Calm down, calm down, calm down, Paul. Calm down. Calm calm down. down. Calm down. <laughs> Clayton. Oh, <that's laughs> before me and Jonathan explode, before me and Jonathan explode, bring some sense and decorum to the proceedings. In what respect? I mean, Frank was defending the club, which is the club he loves, and, and that's why we love him. I mean, it's the whole Liverpool loving thing is just, it is reprehensible. It's quite interesting because when we were talking about Kepa, you were talking about Matt, uh, Matt Beadle, and uh, I, he has a wonderful podcast uh, with um, Richard Lee. Richard Lee uh, called The Goalkeepers Union. Um, and if you like goalkeepers or into goalkeepers, I thoroughly recommend downloading it. And they have this section called Commentary Corner, and they get the right arse with anybody making ridiculous comments about goalkeepers. And they were basically saying, you know, a lot of the stuff that came out about Kepa from Jamie Carragher and Martin Tyler, how many games do we watch or you watch where basically opposition players or they're making statements like, and I think John Barr, if we want to win the league, then we're going to have to get rid of Kepa. How dare you? That's a ridiculous thing to say. You know, that is just a ridiculous yeah. thing to say. It might be factually correct, but they're supposed to be commentating. Yeah. They're not supposed to be, you know, assassinating people's, you know, play. I mean, if, if a Liverpool player had a bad game, and they're going to say, well, if they want to win the league, they've got to get rid of such and such. 
it was just a it was a bad night all round. It was it was awful. It was basically turn the sound down because the commentary was dreadful. Uh, listen to three quarters of that game in virtual silence. Um, just the the thing that I I just don't get is that the media completely miss the mood of the rest of the football watching public. Nobody, nobody wanted them to win it outside of Liverpool. Nobody's nobody delighted. Nobody likes them outside of Liverpool. No, nobody was delighted oh, that they've... they've <laughs> no, no, but but they don't, I suppose they don't seem to care because they're all ex-Liverpool players. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. a joke, isn't it? It's just a joke that, you know, um, in some way or another... Yeah, you know, everybody everybody loves a bit of Liverpool or whatever, and it's it, it's it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. And I I think the Klopp Frank rivalry, the media, whether it's press or broadcast, they love their 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 villains, don't they? They love the yeah, they love the Benitez versus Mourinho, Ferguson versus Wenger. You know, they, they want to create it, don't they? They want to create they, a villain. They want their they you know, they're under threat from the likes of Amazon and really big, you know, deep pocket companies and, and they just want to make their their hay while the sun shines, I think, and, and, and come up with this utter bollocks, you know. It, it stems from the, the seemingly inane Super Sunday into sort of fucking judgment day and crap like that. That most fans just turn around and go, Oh shut up you fucking arseholes or whatever, you know. We don't think about that. Look, I like Klopp, It was dreadful on Sunday the way that they made the game they made yeah, the game I, yesterday into a. Sorry to interrupt, Tony. They very quickly. They made the game into. Didn't matter how well Chelsea were playing in the second yes, half. They went on and on about one goal's going to change this. Wolves are really good at playing at scoring in the last minute to keep the drama going. It was yeah. so patently obvious what they were. Yeah, doing. This is this is sorry to interrupt, J.K. But this is. I mean, I remember the first. Now this, you, you know, you'll get this better than most, but. I, the first observational documentary I got to direct, uh, the series producer was a little worried because I hadn't done one before. And I said, I've now had a fucking mate telly piss off, you know, because I was not arrogant in any way, shape or form. Um, <laughs> but she, she said to me, uh, she's lovely, actually, really very fond of her, really lovely lady. But she said, Chidge, you know, you've got to remember uh, these golden rules. It's about tension, drama, jeopardy. And you are there to create it. You are the director. Completely. And that's it. And I mean that that you can now translate that across across all TV tension, drama, jeopardy. Uh, and I guarantee you, you'll never get any of that on this show. I, I like Klopp, right? <laughs> and I know that's not a popular point of view. Thanks, Clayton. <laughs> I've just got. <laughs> I was the only one that was listening. Chidge, <laughs> probably probably very true, Clayton. Chidge. <laughs> What? It's not working for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say comedy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I said it'd be full of comedy. I, I, you know, all I'll say about the Klopp Frank spat is I like Klopp. I think he gets Liverpool far more than Guardiola gets Manchester. Okay, he's immersed himself in the culture of the city and the people. And well, he wears a, he wears he wears a shell suit, Tony. I suppose yeah, well, a start. precisely, you know. But ultimately, if you're having a if you're having a best dressed competition between him and Frank, there ain't much in it at the moment, is there? Let's be fair. And all I would say is is that Klopp has defended Liverpool in the past in the same way that, that yeah. Frank's defended Chelsea. I, and I honestly don't think there is anything between them, no. other than 
you know, they, they ask Klopp, he makes a perfectly reasonable comment and says, look, actually, you know what? Frank just needs to learn how to do that if that's what he feels or whatever. And everyone's fucking piling in going, how dare you, fuck? Well, that's just rubbish, isn't it? Because yeah, ultimately... It's inciting the tribalism, isn't it? Is. Simon Johnson, who is a Chelsea fan and a damn fine journalist too, and he's always on Talk Sport, uh, particularly on the uh, Cundy and Goldstein show, um, and he said this so many, so many times. He's a wonderful old cynic, is Simon as well. I really like him. He's a good pal. And uh, he says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they do the old journalist trick, which means they go to one press conference and they go, so what do you think about this, Frank? And why were you saying all of that? And what do you think about Klopp? And he sounds off because he goes nuts. And then they go and talk to Klopp. And they said, Frank Lampard said this about you, Klopp. What do you think about that? And it's just such a stitch up. It's absolutely what they do. Anyway, let's move on. Um, two more things I want to talk about the Liverpool game because we didn't really talk about them in the Wolves game, but I definitely think they deserve a mention. First of all, Pulisic, Jonathan, who just was um, mind-bogglingly brilliant, frightening when he came on. Yeah. I mean, he just absolutely... This player, he's going to be a hell of a player. He scares the hell out of people. He's now got 10 goals and 10 assists this season. And remember, he was injured for a large part of it. Well, it... it Another great possibility for next year. Another great, a great star in the making. Um, I, I'm uh, his speed and ability to go past people, unless he's side down. I think we've said this before. the The number of times he's fouled is testament to his uh, um, testimony to his uh, abilities, because it's what happened to Eden, of course, all the time. Um, he keeps being chopped down, and what you need is referees who spot that and punish the offenders but then they'll they'll start doing it in a serial way and the referees as usual will um not top that up properly um and uh, my worry is that he'll will he'll be injured um but we were always worried about hazard and he somehow seemed to to bounce past it um but yeah um such a shame that he got into a very good position and dragged the ball past mm. the goal um just after he'd come on but what a great substitution that was the energy that both of them um but it made you realize how previously we just weren't at the races but when uh when Pulisic came on it was a a, a star-studded performance with a brilliantly taken goal with back to the goal and whipping round and an assist um uh, for Tammy and uh um it it just made you realize that um, we have a, a, a as I said a complete star on our hands mm. I mean which makes so next year look so exciting um uh, they've just have to follow it up with some some top signings because we've now got uh potentially about five really really top game changers but it's the defense that needs to be bolstered yeah, now yeah. uh boys tony and, and clayton clayton first uh first of all pulisic and then uh bring in tammy because of course he scored and you know i think tammy gets a bit of a hard time a bit undeserved he's he's only young still first year in the premier league he scored 15 goals um in the Premier League, 17 in all. I believe that's the best... Uh, I had a, a weird stat, which I'll try and try and dig out if I can. I, I think I bookmarked it, at least I hope I did. <clears throat> but I think he's the... They're basically, it was the first season. It was the first season stat. He's got as many goals as Hasselbank and Drogba uh, got in their first seasons. There's some others too. I've lost lost the flaming stat. Somebody will know it, but whatever it was, I, I'm pretty sure he's equaled um, he's equaled Drogba's first season and uh, and Hasselbank's first season. 
you know, and he's a young kid from the academy. You've got to love that. Me or Clayton? Tony? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it was quite interesting because um, when Tammy was spearheading an attack that had two speedy wingers who were cutting in, he came into his own and he looked fantastic. And they all looked so dangerous. And it's interesting because you were saying basically at 4-3, um, you were sort of getting really into it. They were so worried at 4-3. They were time-wasting. They were just, they, they were hanging on. They really were hanging on. And it's such a shame that we we basically gave away that ridiculously poor goal. Was it from, it was either, I can't remember, it was corner or free counter-attack, kick. Counter-attack, counter-attack. And they broke away. And yeah, you know. should have put him in row Z, mate. Oh, God, don't get me started. And Kepa should have saved the shot. The shot oh, wasn't Kepa that hard. Saved the shot. No. Um, so, yeah, no, and, and Pulisic is just... He's just, every time you see him, um, that run for the cross for Tammy's goal was just so good. So, so good. And, yeah, I mean, next season, you, that front line is going to scare the bejeebas. I mean, you can't actually, you can look at every other team in the Premier League and can't think they're not going to have as exciting a, a front front lot that we're going to have. Mm, I totally agree. Mr Glover, Mr Glover, man. You're on mute, son. You have to take it off mute. Oh, yeah. So I am. Uh, Unusual. Would you like to eulogise, as you are the the reverend, the right reverend Tony Glover, I'm going to allow you to eulogise about Pulisic and Tammy. Um, well, Pulisic has surprised me um, because I, I just thought it was, you know, one of these where they're building up, oh, he's going to, he's, he's going to replace Eden Hazard. And yeah, I just couldn't see anybody replacing Eden Hazard, well, especially the years we had him and the... The, sh- the sheer joy that you know, and the thrills when he was on the ball and on you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but Pulisic has had a, a remarkable, remarkable start. And 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 to be fair, um, he seems to have that kind of American um, winning is everything, you know, second is nothing kind of attitude. But I'm not sure that's a, 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 an attitude I entirely approve of for, for looking at life. But but in football, he he's he's something else. His his turn of speed is phenomenal. Uh, he seems to have vision and, and uh, you know, the, the ability to see the pass or the opportunity. He's not scared to have the shot, which means the goalkeeper is going to be forced into errors. You know, if you don't buy the ticket, how can you win the lottery kind of thing? So I'm, I'm deeply impressed with him. With Tammy, I mean, I think my, my criticism of Tammy is he needs to beef up a little bit. He needs to get a bit of Drogba bulk about him. Um, but he is about pace. He's a different kind of striker to Olivier Giroud. And, and there was one, uh, I think it was yesterday, I think it was yesterday, absolutely blistering run up the park. I mean, you know, he just, like a, he was like Nijinsky. He just basically put in another gear and just left everybody behind him. And then the, 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 I think the decision was poor. I think he took a shot actually at the end, which was um, quite easily saved. Where I th- he could have laid it off, I think, and, 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 and we, we would have probably you know, um, been home and hosed even better than we were. But I, I I like him. 15 goals in your debut premiership season is not to be sniffed at. It really isn't. And um, I think there was, he's always suffered from this thing in the past when people go, you know, it's all right, he's only doing it in the championship. Well, that's where he was playing. And it, <laughs> where else can he do it, you know? So I, 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 I think he's, it's learning. I think you were with me actually in the cock when we were talking to um, uh, was it Ian Titchener's boy, 
Mm. Um, and he was doing the, uh, the photography session with the players. Uh, and he said, you absolutely 100% got how Chelsea, Tammy, Mason, Reese James and all of them were. They are absolutely made up, chuffed to bits. Uh, and, and they really, really want to succeed because they are all Chelsea boys at heart. And I think the intention is what he actually said to us, didn't he? He said they actually didn't believe when he said, oh, I'm a Chelsea fan. He's there to do his actual photographer. Um, and he showed him a tattoo he's got on his back, the, you know, the Chelsea logo or whatever. And that. And he, he said that immediately they were like, oh, you're one of us. Like, yeah, come on, have the photo. Do you remember this, Chich? It was a yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. And I just, I see that with Tammy. I see the joy on, on it, not only his face, but, you know, the other the other Academy products. But, you know, with him, um, I think he'll be desperate to improve, desperate to try and be uh, more more ruthless. And 15 goals in your debut season in the Premiership. When you, when you uh, I think, didn't he have an injury as well? He was out for a little while. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, not to be sniffed at. I see Paul Crowder's on there, giving, you know, um, you know, not him and Reese James, maybe they're not all starters. Oh, I disagree. This is their first year. They've equipped themselves admirably. They were never going to be class of 92 because you'll never see a class of 92 ever again. That was a one-off, a complete one-off in my entire football history, you know, watching history since 1969 or whatever. I've never seen a team like that class of 92 come in and do what they did. I think you'll never see it again. But I'll tell you something, this is building for a future of, as you said, with the players that are coming in, um, that those other teams are already looking over their shoulders, I'm sure. And with a manager like Frank Lampard, um, I, I really do see us being hugely competitive. And actually, in a competitive premiership, because I would hate the premiership to end up, um, as been you've seen it this week, you know, where PSG have won eight out of nine, Juventus have won the last nine, is it? Bayern Munich have lost the one eight out of nine, have won the last eight out of nine um, Bundesligas or whatever. I'd hate it to go that way. One thing about Tammy, you know, you mentioned there, uh, Tony, in, in that really, really good run that he did towards the end. And, um, you know, I think the interesting thing, this is against, the, I think it was against uh, Wolves. He, he he could, of course, instead of shooting, he could have put Pedro in, yes. who was running into space yes. and probably would have buried that. And I just think, actually, in hindsight, what an absolute shame, because it was clearly Pedro's last game for Chelsea. And we, should, and we it would be very remiss of us to do this show and not mention young Pedrito and his favourite sea lion, uh, because he's been. I mean, you know what a one. I, I, we, everybody was writing lovely little tributes to him last night on Twitter because he put a tweet out and I indulged myself. But he really has been a class act for us. What a fabulous bloke! He always plays with a smile on his face. There's something a bit mad about him as well. I used to love the way. That he used to run in, you know, he'd get the ball in midfield and he'd end up on a corner flag, and then the next he'd be in our own penalty area, still dribbling and beating people. And you're thinking, get the ball out! But it, for Pedro, it didn't seem to matter. And what a what a classy, classy player! What a great servant! And the thing is, the thing I love most about Pedro is the fact that he's won something like 25 trophies, uh, about five Champions Leagues two World Cups. I mean, it's just, you know, he's won more trophies than most clubs have won, you know, and I just think what a brilliant bloke and I wish him nothing but the best for the future. Um, what an absolute tragic shame that we weren't there to give him a good send-off mm -hmm. like he deserved because I think he would have got a really, really warm uh, send-off because I think he's been a very popular player for us 
Uh, and I think that's a great shame. He got a very warm anyway. send off on Twitter, which was nice. Didn't he? he did, didn't he? Not the same, no, JK, no, of course is it? Not. Of course not. No. It's a real shame. Now, on a similar vein, it's now time to look forward to something that I don't think really many of us expected to see, which was Chelsea playing in, uh, in another cup final. We, we did the maths earlier on during the break, and this will be Chelsea's 14th FA Cup final. Of course, only uh, out of all of us, only Jonathan was there to see us in the first one in 1915, <laughs> uh, the khaki the cup final. Yes, I was uh, the baby. He was dressed as a very young, uh, wearing khaki, of course, stand for the lion. That's right. Did you have a pith helmet? And uh, I used that to pith into. Yes. Stop, <laughs> Jonathan. Stop taking the piss. Thank you. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, we've been. In, this will be our fourteenth FA Cup final, which is just remarkable when you consider that uh, you know I have mates who uh, every year after nineteen seventy would listen to the vinyl LP recording of the BBC radio commentary of the 1970 Cup final. They were gathered together on the date of the final and listened to it every year in vain hope that one day, just one day, Chelsea might actually make it to another FA Cup final. And they had to wait until 1994 when, of course, we got humped by Man United. And, I mean, the last 10 years, 15 years, has just been phenomenal. Um, The interesting thing, of course, is that we will be playing Arsenal. Um... And I've got to be honest, I'm I'm a I'm a tad worried about all of this. Um, one of the worst moments of my Chelsea. Some people might find this is a bit strange, but in terms of matches I've been to where I've walked out just utterly deflated and disappointed, when we lost to Arsenal in the FA Cup in 2017, probably only worse because I wasn't at Moscow. Okay, I, I, my caveat is I wasn't at Moscow. Um, but the, the Spurs loss in the League Cup final in 2008, I was gutted. But I was probably more gutted losing to Arsenal in the 2017 FA Cup final because, of course, the double was at stake and we were such overwhelming favourites. And I'm a bit worried, JK, that we're considered favourites when Arsenal seem to have a bit of a bogey on us in the Cups. I don't and know. Also, we, we well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. And also, of course, they might be out for revenge after us absolutely scalping them in Baku yes, last year. Yes, yes. I'm sure they will be. Um, and uh, and no doubt David Luiz will be um, desirous of uh, putting one over us on us. Um, is William uh, out of the picture? Then do we know? Is he? He's, we don't he's know. He's, he's a doubt, isn't he? He's a doubt. He's a, he's a doubt, isn't he? But um, uh, yeah, I think it's been their worst. Is it? Well, it was going to be their worst finish if they finished tenth, but they ended up finishing eighth. But it's still the we're we're much more the form team. But they did put uh, City to the sword rather beautifully in the semi-finals, so they're capable of coming up with a top performance. So uh, I don't think we'll be underestimating them in any way. It's a it's a behind closed doors final, and um, um, it's a completely different experience for the players. Um, I think if we uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, he lines up. Is he going to play um, three five um, uh, three five two one? Whatever he plays, what is it? Is he going to play? Going to play with the uh, the five at the three at the back plus the two overlapping wingers. Is he going to play that way, or is he going to um, settle for a four? I mean, it depends. Is is Conte going to be available? Um, or, or will he, if he is available, will he decide to to play him? Um, I don't know. I think he'll stick with the uh, the formation that he's stuck with the last few ma- few matches, um, just because it's worked so well and the players have have responded accordingly. But um, 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 who's going to get in? If William is available, is he going to play Pulisic from the beginning? 
I mean, I think it'll be a very open game because once again, we're not playing against a team like Wolves who who defend and and break down. But he, in fact, watching uh, Arsenal the other day, they do press very similarly to the way that we've been playing. I think that's the way that Arteta wants to have them playing. So um, uh, I don't think Frank will take them lightly at all. I think, uh, yes, they may be out for revenge, but what does it matter if we stop them from playing or we play better than them? Or I think in the end, I think it'll be high scoring and I think we'll score more than them. Tony, um, I've got to be honest, I, I'm concerned about the final. I really am, possibly because there's a lot riding on it. It's a, it's a, It'd be great to win the trophy. Uh, I'm still feeling quite raw after 2017. Yes. You know, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that we are favourites. And if you think about it, you know, we beat them away. Mm. We were very unlucky to only draw against them at home. They had that stupid goal where Kante slipped and they broke through and scored and scored the best goal ever seen by an Arsenal player, apparently. Um, but I have to say, the other thing that worries me is I think that Arteta's improved them. I know that their league position is not too impressive and they're still prone to a few Arsenal-esque results. But I think he's brought in some really good players. Aketia, Eddie Aketia and Saka uh, have been very good additions. He's got rid of that twat Gwendouzi, which I think has helped them. Um, and of course, Aubameyang or Aubameyang or whatever you want to call him. Aubameyang, I think it is. Super. And Lacazette are quality players. Aubameyang's a very good player. So, And if Luis turns up like he did in the semi-final... Mm. You know, on his day, he's still a great player. I'm worried about this, yeah, team. I've got to be honest. And, and I'm with you on this. I think, I, I do think, because in FA Cup finals, they've got an Indian sign-overs. Um, you know, they, the, 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 the sad thing about the, the, the last one was, of course, I think we'd probably been partying too hard from having won the league. Um, uh, and that, I think we expected to roll them over. Well, I, think, I think it was that. I mean, we had a, we had a, a sort of 10 or 15-minute purple patch in the second half. That was it. You know, uh, and we get a goal back, and 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 then we went, you know, back into. I was getting a pint at that time. Yeah, I think we the hangover kicked back in again, and and that was that. Um, so I, you know, I don't think it's uh, Jonathan's already brought up the point of, um, you know, they got an absolute slapping last year, uh, in the Europa League, and I, th- you know, so that will be burning with with one of them. The thing I think is, is Arteta is is I, I think he's in the Frank Lampard mould. He or. or Actually, you might put it on the Frank Lampard, but this kind of younger, more thoughtful um, uh, uh, manager, intelligent manager. You know, the, the the kind of younger managers that come in and making Mourinho look like a dinosaur. You know, from you know uh, from an age uh, a bygone age, which you know when you think about it, has happened in uh, it happens in industry and all this, where the the kind of your your shelf life, um, you know, until you hit a certain age is quite limited, and I think. Uh, I like what Arteta. You know, I, I kind of like his demeanour. He's obviously learned quite uh, a lot and, and done a lot of learning at, at, at Pep's side or whatever. So I don't think it's as for. I, I don't think it will be a particularly high-scoring game. I think there'll be some nerves. I agree with J.K. It's going to be a strange experience because it, would this be the first major trophy ever played behind closed doors? I, I, I'm just, I don't know about Europe or. It's got to be. Got to be. Hasn't I would it? have thought. I can't think of any other kind of major competition in, in any that's got the stature of the FA Cup or whatever in, in any league or any 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 country that's been played behind closed doors like this. I, I don't know. I might be wrong. Maybe the people on, on Mixer have got a better memory than me. But so it's going to be a very odd experience um, without the the kind of twelfth man for each side of the fans. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to stick my neck out. I, 
what the one thing I hope it don't doesn't do is go to penalties. I just think that's just a shocker, and maybe the lack of crowds will give it an FA Cup final kind of to remember because some of them have been quite turgid, haven't they? I mean, the last one we won was pretty turgid, wasn't it? Eden has a penalty. Was that against United, wasn't it? It was, a, was it 2018, I think, or whatever. Yeah, 2018. Um, and, and when you look at some of the others that, have, that where we haven't featured, they have been fairly turgid affairs. Um, maybe the crowd not being there could be a release. The players can uh, play, play without the pressure of the crowd and the catcalls and boos. I don't know. I don't know. It's a strange... I'm like you. I think, Chid, I, I am worried about it. I'm worried. I'm worried. Clayton, uh, Tony uh, has an interesting point about the crowd. I have to say that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, this is this is going to be my Football London piece this week, but just how utterly gutting it is. We, all four of us would have been there. Um, I'm sure all four of us have our own FA Cup ritual. I mean, we've been so lucky. We were saying a minute ago, you know, 14th FA Cup final. The majority of them have been in the last 15 years. Um, I mean, weirdly, my first final was 2002 in Cardiff because I couldn't get a ticket for 2000. I was away in 97 uh, in St. Lucia. Kenroy, if only I'd known you then, we could have had a rum. Uh, and uh, in 94, I couldn't get a ticket then either. So, you know, I've been so lucky. I've been at everyone since then. Going to the Victoria pub in Paddington before, pre-match ritual, post-match. It's, you know, the FA Cup is the most important day out for, for, for fans, isn't it? You know, it's what... I mean, I remember the days, as you no doubt, were, were, you know, people would collect coupons out of uh, the programmes, wouldn't they? For, for you know, the chance to go and see a, an FA Cup final. You prayed your side would get in there. You know, it's the same now. We buy season tickets in the hope that we get to a final knowing that we'll get a ticket. So for us not to be there is just... I think this is the most disappointing thing of the whole season for me, I have to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of tweeted before yesterday's game um, that it, it was the first time it really hurt not being there. Because, like, you know, it was a massive game. Absolutely yeah. massive game. And that really... I found that really difficult not being there yesterday because you actually felt you know, the team need us. This is a this is a massive game and the team really need us. Obviously they didn't, but you know, that that's that's your perception. <laughs> um Saturday is just gonna be uh, just another surreal thing in the most surreal four months of all of our lives. And it is gonna be difficult. Um in terms of watching it and not being there, um I, I can't actually remember. I don't think I've ever watched. I think, <laughs> I don't think, I, in recent memory, I've not watched an FA Cup final on TV, um, apart from last in Baku. So that's going to be quite difficult in itself, listening to the inane drivel of some absolute no mark who's going to be talking all over it. Liverpool, a Liverpool um, player, though, surely. Obviously, because they'll have a big insight into Chelsea Arsenal. Um, I just, uh, in terms of your fear, I'm I'm less worried. I have to say, I just think that the 2017 Cup final is beyond explanation. I still don't know what happened that day. I really but don't. Anthony Taylor didn't help much. 
No, but I I know that, and I know that you you know you you made the point possibly on last week's um, thing about the Sanchez punching the ball and and it not getting anyway. noticed. But if your memory would let you remember it, we we should have actually been about four down at halftime. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we true. we were actually quite <laughs> lucky to go in one nil down, irrespective of that. But I just actually think, and this is something which we discussed earlier in the pod. Oli Giroud, that Arsenal back three, and I don't care about David being a big game player, which he is. They can't, they will not be able to cope with Oli Giroud if Oli Giroud is on form. He will cause yeah. havoc at the back there. I mean, you know, it, it, it's rightly um, spouted that our defence has not been great this year, but their defence isn't any great shakes either. Um they do have a fantastic goalkeeper. I mean, it just just goes to show their number two, Martinez, is, is every bit as good as, as Leno. Um, I mean, my, my biggest fear in, in terms of, of them is um, Abamia. I just think he's the most fantastic, fantastic player. And what a tremendous decision by Conte not to want to buy him. I think that goes yeah. up there. I mean, that, that's just... <laughs> he's, that I think about? he's... I don't know. I think he's got a, almost a goal a game ratio for Arsenal. Um, and I think he's superb. And, and that is my biggest fear. But in terms of um, the team, it will be the team that basically started on uh, Sunday. That, that will be the team. Um, perhaps William for Pulisic. And the only other thing is that, you know, if Kante is fit, um, then I think he'll play instead of Jorginho. So that's interesting. So you play Cover and Kante together. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do because I just think Kante is just fantastic. He's a cut above, isn't it? So Caballero has to start. Of course. And uh, Oli Giroud obviously has to start. I've, I've got some Oli stats here for you boys. Uh, apparently, he's won every single domestic cup game he's played at the new Wembley. 12 games, 12 wins, 7 trophies, apparently. Is that all? Yeah. I know. So, and of was course, he playing, he play was he Arsenal. playing in 2017 for them? He was, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's what I think he he's one of the only players. There are a few players who won back to back FA Cups playing for different sides, and he's one of them. Did Mark of course, Hughes he won it do with that other, as well? I think he might have done. Yeah, he won it won it for Arsenal in 17, and then for us in 18. So Ollie's got to start. I agree with that, and I think yeah, you're right. I think I think you know, I frankly. The the side that beat Wolves yesterday absolutely deserves to beat the starting eleven uh, on uh, on Saturday in the cup final. The only issue being William if he's fit, because I think you know again that experience is really really important. J.K. Um, I actually think that um, uh, he he has to evaluate, doesn't he, Frank, wh- what system he wants to play uh, in this setup. I I do agree. I think that he's a He's, as you say, Chid always, he's a world-class player, and he would uh, contribute hugely to the uh, to the final. Um, but he hasn't figured at all. Um, it'll be a very interesting call if he picks him if he's fit, because um, we thought he'd play yesterday, because we thought that he would somehow put him even on one leg, because he did exactly the same against uh, Arsenal in Baku, which I think he it may have been one of the reasons it contributed to his his frailty this season, but um, uh, I, I agree with you. I would play him. 
if he's fit, if he thinks it can work. And uh, um, uh, I'd even play him in in the uh, in a in, in a back three with with the two wingers. Um, I forgot the formation. What is it? Three, three, four, three. No, three, four, three, four, two, three, one. Four, three. Three, what, three, four, three, three, four, three. Yeah, I'd, I'm, I'm not quite sure how you'd play that though. What would you do? Where would you play him in that setup in a three, four, three? I don't know if you could. You'd play him. Uh, you just put him in the midfield. In which case, he'd drop Jorginho, which I don't think we'd have a problem with. Um, perhaps he'd just play Jorginho and Kovacic as the two midfield players. But then he wouldn't be playing. Um, in that defensive role, the defensive role fits if he's playing a um, uh, a four, because he then just sticks him in front of the four, doesn't he? And the other two midfield players burst forwards. So uh, it's it's going to be an interesting call. Is he fit? Does Frank want to play him in that setup? Does Frank want to play him any anyway if he is fit uh, because he hasn't been playing at all? Um, I, I I I like you. I would play him in any um, any final in any game if he's uh, if he's available just because he can turn it around. I think the interesting thing is that I think Frank played, uh, you know, 3-4-3 three, three against Arsenal up, up there, didn't he, at the, at the Emirates when we when we beat them really, really well. The interesting thing is Arsenal, you know, they lined up 4-2-3-1 against, uh, against Watford. Uh, so you could argue that they've either got five in midfield or two. But what did they do against way, Villa? Because they lost against Villa, didn't they? Uh... That's true. Uh, Villa, they set up as four-three-three. Uh, so I, 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 it's it's interesting, isn't it? Whether he'll he'll match them up, match up to them. Yeah. But do you, or... do you not? Do you not remember that when we played Arsenal at the Emirates, we actually started with the three at the back, and basically he changed it after about yeah. thirty minutes. He basically put Jorginho on because we, we were getting nowhere. We were at, because they matched us and we couldn't cope with it. And he changed it round. He hauled somebody off. I think he hauled Emerson off after about 30 minutes. He brought on Jorginho, which really settled things down. And then he, he actually, I think Tarek Lampy came on towards well, the we end. Started, we started 3-4-2-1, they reckon, but we all know that's 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, and uh, you're absolutely right. He hooked off he hooked off Emerson, who'd been playing in the Alonso role. Yeah. Uh, but clearly not a patch. Uh, and Lamptey came on quite late, I think. But he, he definitely changed it all around. I mean, it doesn't tell you on my... This is basically a great app, by the way, the, the app that I'm looking at here, which is called Flash Score, which is great. You get lifetime, uh, real-time scores on it, and it's just brilliant for data like this. Be interesting to see how he matches up. All right, put your colours, nail your colours to the mast, boys. Jonathan, um, I think we'll uh, we'll win three one. Okay, good for you, Clayton. Two one. Tony, unmute yourself. Two one. Two one. Uh yeah, I'm I'm tempted with two one. I really don't know though. I'm I'm nervous about this. I'll tell you what though, people, whatever the score is. Oh, the one thing I I didn't ask actually, which I should have done, which was I mean, how big an achievement, Tony, would it be for Frank to win the FA Cup in his first year as manager? Yes, isn't it? I, you know, people, um, blimey, there's only four trophies that you know teams like us can win, isn't there? Um, and to win one of them. Four major trophies: the Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup. Uh, well, you know, we knew the Premier League was probably going to be out, which we probably, you know, in our heart hearts, 
know that the Champions League is probably done and dusted. Um, yeah, the FA Cup, it's a massive... Like, it, 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 it might not matter to the media. They might have denigrated it. They might have played their part in in undermining it over the years. But um, I think to the fans, it's still a a huge competition. Um, you know, arguably it kept Arsene Wenger in a job for a bit longer because you know that was the only trophy they were winning, wasn't it? They won it two two out of three years or something, didn't they? Not not that long ago. Um, so I, I yeah, look, it, I'm one of those kids where it all started with the FA Cup me 1970 that's where it all started um it's a fabulous competition um it it, it needs more respect from the mainstream media but it's uh it, you know it's still the emotional one isn't it um there, there can be no feeling like walking out onto that pitch and then being the one who climbs the stairs uh to to hold the, the trophy aloft um to your fans knowing that most of those fans will either be already pissed or going out on the piss that night so yeah um it's from frank lampard's point of view i always this is i know Mourinho's a bit of um uh you know not not flavor of day but i remember when we won the league cup uh under him in his first season i think you know it was um what you know so it was only the league cup as he said winning breeds winning doesn't it mm. your winning mentality did, did you hear the very disappointing uh, but totally predictable um, thing that the that beautiful 50th anniversary kit cannot be worn yeah. because they can't manufacture it in the two weeks? Yeah. Um, so that's so that kit has just been a one-off, which is a great shame. Because it was Yokohama, wasn't it? That's the trouble. Yeah, Isn't that the idea behind it. And who's going to be be presenting the cup? Do we know? Oh, don't know. They'll have a mask and gloves on. Though, yeah, that's yeah. For sure. It could be anybody. Could be somebody pretending to be the Queen. I've got a friend actually dresses up really well as the Queen. We could send her along. Well, maybe maybe it'll be her or him. Should I say? Yeah, Probably it's somebody it's in him. drag, isn't it? Knowing it's you. Um, <laughs> how, how, how... <laughs> Sorry, you should never laugh at your own joke. It's bad form. Jonathan, um, how big would it be for Frank to to pick up a cup here? Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. The making of him. I mean, it, it, it got to the final, it's the making of him. It'd yeah. be even better. What if he doesn't, though? I, 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 I've said it, that it's already the making of him. He's already done wonderfully. Yeah. Yeah. To get to a final would be similarly, it would be fantastic. Um, yeah. I'd Clay say, Chidge, just one thing. I think he's he's got that... Um, he's a, roughly the same age, I think, isn't he, as Gary Neville. Um, and I remember Gary Neville saying that when they had to clap, when they had to do the Guard of Honour as we walked out on the pitch... Um, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was the year we won 3 1. Uh, Joe Cole scored a, a wonder goal or whatever. And they had to applaud us, you know, do the guard on our And he said, that's stuck in his craw like nothing else and drove them. And he used that as a stick, you know, a motivational stick or whatever. So I think mm. if the worst comes to the worst, Frank will, he'll, he'll have taken stuff like under the chin before he was in Moscow, for Christ's sake. So I think, you know, um, as John, Jonathan said, it, it's already been the making of him, but. Uh, if, if it all goes tits up, then he will use it very, very wisely. Mm, we'll see. Clayton, what about you, mate? Guy's a winner. Um, he wins. He doesn't lose. So I just, I don't think we even have to contemplate it. I'm not trying to be arrogant or big headed. I just think he's a winner. He knows how to win. And we've got players in our side who know how to win. Uh, Arsenal have got David Luiz in their side who knows how to win. And that's it. 
Mm, okay. I think there's another important reason. I and mean, People won't know this, but I have this saved as a, as a bookmark on my phone. And it is a brilliant website called myfootballfacts.com. Okay, and I, and this is where I go a bit Sir Alec Ferguson, all right? Uh, because it's basically a table. It's updated every year of uh, FA Cup, League Champions, League Cup, major European trophy winners from 1871 to 2020. Okay, and I and I, I you know I I refer to this because at, at the top is Liverpool with 43 trophies, then Man United 42, Arsenal with 29, and then us at 24. So the way I look at it, every time we pick up a trophy, we get closer to Arsenal uh, and further away from Villa, in, uh, who have got 20, City, who have got 20, and Tottenham Hotspur, who have got 17. Um, and it will be our ninth FA Cup, which will uh, put us um, very squarely in third position behind Arsenal with 13 Cups, United with 12. It'll, we'll have two more than Liverpool. Um, so these things, to me, in a very Alec Ferguson sense, are really important. My... In my lifetime, I want to see us overhaul Arsenal's Hall of Trophies. I don't think I've got much hope in my lifetime of seeing us overhaul both United and Liverpool, but to be third would be something. So I very much hope on Saturday that Chelsea and Frank put their A game in place and give it to the bloody Gooners because uh, it's about time I saw them win in an FA Cup against them, having been there in 2002 and 2017. But I have to say... you know, whatever happens, um, I really do feel that the FA Cup final on, on Saturday will be severely diminished by the fact that none of us will be there, that there'll be no fans there. I think it's, I can understand that there's not much we can do, but, you know, I think it's tragic. And in my eyes, it's severely diminished because of that. But uh, nevertheless, I hope Chelsea go out and smash Arsenal because it will make me smile and it will make next Monday's show a great one. But there you go. Right, um, I've taken an executive decision, chaps, which is I'm knackered. Uh, We've been going at it for two hours, 20 minutes, so I'm going to basically postpone the emails to next week if that's okay. I'm sure you won't mind. Uh, Apologies to those of you who've written in. I promise that they'll get read out first. We'll have more time next week because guess what? We won't have too many matches to talk about. Uh, We'll have the the cup final, obviously, and we'll be looking ahead to uh, the Champions League. But uh, we'll have a bit more time for your emails and we will read them out next week, I promise. Probably just as well because JK was telling us before we kicked off that he couldn't find them anyway. I've got them. I've got them. (laughs) He's got them. We haven't got time tonight. We'll do it next week. I'll read them to myself. Okay, you can practice. You'll be word perfect for next week. So, right. well, well, non- no, I can't. Okay, I don't, do, you, do you want me to mute you? Yeah. No, exactly. Uh, right, okay, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we have overstayed our welcome. It's been too much fun, I have to say. When you've got these three together, I mean, I'm amazed we get the damn show under four hours because everybody <laughs> has so much to say. But the thing is, it's one thing having a lot to say, but it's completely another when whatever you say makes so much sense which i have to say you three have been superb outstanding tonight but as i said that is all we've got time for this week we will be back next monday as i said to look back at the fa cup final against arsenal look ahead to the uh, rather peculiar uh, champions league match against bayern munich the following saturday of course i'll be joined by jonathan uh, and guests who are yet to be decided because i haven't updated the schedule so I don't know who's going to be available, but I'll route around see who's free. Uh, now, uh, the other thing that's happening this week is that we have the next instalment of our 50 Years of Chelsea series. 
uh, and we're recording it tomorrow night. This week it will be featuring the 1984-85 season and it'll be me, Jonathan and the absolute dream team for the 84-85 season, which is Kelvin Barker and Mark Worrell. This is one not to miss if you've been enjoying these, as I know so many of you have. Uh, So there you go. Look out for that coming out later on this week. Uh, And of course, the Fancast is available uh, on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all all sorts of other uh, podcast distributors, uh, such as, for example, the CFC Blues app, who basically host all of them. And uh, they tell you how to get hold of it right here. Right, uh, and of course you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, Tony at, Go- at uh, GrossJet UK, Clayton at Goalie59, Dean Mears at Dean Mears, Marco at Gay17Marco, Joe Tweeds at Joe Tweedy, uh, Martin at Martin Wickham, Dan at DanSell73, Liam at Liam underscore Toomey, and Alex at CFCGWLB. Don't forget to check out our Instagram and Facebook accounts too, they're also at Chelsea Fancast. Uh, marathon pod tonight tony you've been superb as the lord chief provost it's been great isn't it it's what, what a lovely whatever happens what a lovely way to finish the season mm. there'll be more i mean as i said earlier on actually and i'll, and I'll interrupt myself again to, to just trail this but we're doing a show next monday for the fa cup we'll be doing a show the week after to cover the Bayern Munich game, and then we'll be doing a show the week after that for a big old season review, and I'm kind of minded to try and get everybody in for that. Oh, one. One. Just to have an absolute carnage, get a bit pissed, have a, have a look at the whole season. <laughs> yeah. We can do that with Zoom. Yeah, yeah. 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 just do. That'd be great. Yeah. Everybody from the fan cast who's free on that on the 17th of August, we'll get them all in, have a good rant about the old season. Uh, and then that'll be us for a couple of weeks because we're going to have a quick break and then we're back on the 7th of September to do a season preview because it all kicks off again on the 12th, yeah. so there you go. Uh, right, Clayton, as ever, you've been fantastically brilliant as always. Real pleasure to spend a couple of hours with you tonight, mate. Well done. Oh, it's great. I'm just it's so much fun and these two guys, as well as your good self, is always brilliant because we're talking about our favourite thing and um, it's just great. And uh, come on, Chelsea. Yeah, come on, Chelsea, lift the cup. Jonathan, uh, my dear old thing, you have been uh, a trooper. Oh, I try my best. I don't come up to scratch occasionally, but, you know, Clayton and Tony were there to help me. (laughs) Moustache is looking very David David Crosby tonight, mate. Talking of David Crosby, I was thinking about you because I was watching that documentary called Laurel Canyon at the weekend. yeah, yeah. And they they had David Crosby in there who apparently had the best pot in Laurel Canyon, which is why his pad was very popular. Did he indeed? Was he freebasing at the time? No, he was just... No, I think he was pre-freebase. Pre-freebase, yeah, yeah. He wasn't firing not guns his... in the street. No, no, no. I don't think he discovered guns and cocaine no, no, in, in those no. days. But there you go. And uh, I can say the same about you, but you do have the moustache. Thank you. I fear it may disappear. It's becoming very prickly. OK, late running news. Uh, Paul Crowder's just piped in. I was like, do you know what? I was also thinking this when I saw the Laurel Canyon film. He says, I helped on that film. Well done, PC. I knew you would have had something to do with it. Uh, and on that happy note, it's time to say goodnight. Uh, thank you for listening. Oh, by the way, well done, Mixler people, I should have said. Uh, always lovely to see so many of you in there. Well done, you. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, keep it chills.
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.